Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, Murph and Fred, again? back together back again, together again. again. ESPN 1000. How you doing, everybody? Murph and Fred, 9 till noon, jam-packed. Fred, I know you're, and you're right when you say, never say at the beginning of the show, we're going to have a great no, show. never say it. Maybe at the end of the show, right. we say we, we've had a great okay. show. Show's over at noon. Yes. But here's what I'm going to say. We have a chance to have a great show today. That's always. That? Uh, you, you always have a chance. <laughs> and now we have three hours to either do it or not do it. And uh, some great, great guests. Well, we think they'll be great. Well, they're great. Oh, we okay. just got to get good stuff out of them. Uh, that'll be uh, bottom of the hour, 930. We're going to shoehorn in on a busy uh, Cub Sox day. Arthur Arkush does a great job over at Pro Football Weekly. Arthur and the guys, I got some, he's got some, uh, we have some new Bears angles. Want to okay. talk a little bit about the new supercharged offense and, uh, you know, how the X's and O's will work. Jesse, this is unbelievable. Jesse, I only talked to Jesse when he's on the air with us. Uh-huh. You know, I text Jesse all the time, back and forth, you know. But you're, you're upstairs, our pre-show love fest. Yep. Just before uh, me, about 8.30ish, the phone rings. Jesse! I'm thinking he butt-dialed me. I know hey, Murph! I go, Jesse, he also goes, got some good stuff. I go, well, you always got good No, I got some real good stuff. So Jesse... That's good. <laughs> Jesse at 10 o'clock. And then lots going on, both... On the uh, big league club with the White Sox and down on the farm, Josh Nelson, Fred from the Sox machine at uh, Very eleven. Cool. Very cool. The uh, White Sox are uh, losing consistently. You would think they're tanking, but no, they're not. Uh, Larry Garcia hits a home run yesterday. He's and not, then, you know, he's good. And then, well, yeah. And then there's a fly ball to uh-huh. uh, to, to right center right. that he like lollygags on, and the guy gets all the way to second base. Mm. Now, that's the time where you need a Bobby Cox to say, time out. Uh-huh. Hey, center fielder. <laughs> young man. Come on, we're going to take you out right now. I, I don't I, know if you could do it after you hit the home run. Young man, is your leg hurt? Yeah. No, skipper. Well, then you're at it again. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, I've got the stat of the year. Not the stat of the week, stat of the month. Stat of the year later today. The yellow pad is busy. Three three two three seven seven six. Uh, we're going to get to the Cubs momentarily, but first, let's take a look at the nine a.m. Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll. Uh, <clears throat> uh-huh. Vote now at ESPN one thousand. You Darvish. Period. Who's to blame? Question mark. Okay. Multiple choice. Vote right now. Three three two three seven seven six. Hugh Darvish, who's to blame? A, Darvish himself is to blame. B, Theo Epstein, he signed him. C, the Cubs metric guys. You know, the Ivy computer. That's it. Also known as the propeller heads. Uh Uh-huh. At least that's what I call them. Oh, there's another old guy that don't like the stats. Let the record show, almost 30 years ago, I had John DeWan on. I was the first guy ever talking stats. I love statistical analysis, metrics, paradigms, all that stuff. D, pitching coach Jim Hickey. Okay. Who's to blame, Darvish, Theo, the propeller heads, or Jim Hickey, the pitching coach? Three three two three seven seven six. Let's take a sneak peek at the nine thirty Twitter poll question, Fred. The Bears' two thousand eighteen offense, the upcoming dynamic offense. The Bears' offense this year will be A, B, C, or D. 
Much, much better is A. Much better, B. A little bit better, ein bisschen, for all you German-speaking listeners. Or D, no better at all. Bears 2018 offense will be much, much better, much better, a little bit better, or no better. I'm on a roll. 10 o'clock on Twitter poll. Who is more key in 2018 to the Cubs? You, Darvish, Kyle Schwarber. 10.30, Fred, let's keep going here. Okay. You're my NFL expert. When will the NFL eliminate kickoffs? Because this week they said, oh, no, 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 we're not going to eliminate them. We're just going to do something different. Yeah. But they didn't know what yet. Have they have no idea. Blue Ribbon Committee. They have no clue. When will... They got Roger Goodell running the show. They have no clue. When will the NFL eliminate kickoffs? Never. Ten years or, or more. Sooner than you think. When will the NFL eliminate kickoffs, Fred? Never. Ten plus years away still, or sooner than you think. How would you? How are we going to vote on this one? I'm, I'm, that's easy for me. Sooner than you think. Mm-hmm. Be, that, they could be gone in three years. I agree. Let me ask you a question. Onside kicks. Uh huh. One of the weird rules of all time. Yeah. But it makes sense. I mean, you kick off if the ball's lying there. Free ball. Yeah. Anyone can jump on it. It's got to go 10 yards. We all know the rule. Because if it only had to go one inch, it'd be real easy. Right. It's interesting. You know, five yards, it's how they came up with the 10. Maybe trial and error, but it seems like probably back in the day, right in the 20s. If it was just five yards, the kicking team would fall on it probably every time. Sure. If it was 15 yards, you'd never get. But here. Fred, let's say there's a... Well, it's just like, you know, how they come up with 90 feet to first base. If it was 85, just think of how many more hits there would be. Yeah, but you see, I used to say that. It would all shrink and everything. No, no, well... Because everything's closer. I know. Okay, let's say it was 89 feet. Yeah. The infielders would stand about six inches closer. closer. Right. Right. If it were 85 feet, the infielders would have to play about two, three feet closer in. But then more... Batted balls would squirt through. There'd be more hits. Yeah. Hey, they want offense, right? Well, see, I can't. <laughs> they, right? they do Hold want it. offense, yeah. Well, that's all they got to do. Yeah. We just solved all Rob Manfred's problems, pace of play. Move the bases to 85 feet. The infielders, therefore, will have to come in a few steps to be able to bang, bang, get the guy at first. And then the ground ball, remember what Connie Mack said, the great Cornelius McGillicutty. That was his real name. Did you know that? No. Connie Mack said... Who's Connie Mack, Grandpa? Look it up. Google it up. I don't have time. He said you move the infield, play the infield in, suck them in for the plate to plate. You add 100 points yep. to the batter's average. Yeah. But here's the thing, Fred. So they eliminate kickoffs, right? I know what you're... I, I, go ahead. Right. I know what, I've got an answer so for you already. So there's two minutes to go in the game. Yeah. And the Bears score. And they, now they're down 11. Right. And you know what everyone says? We still got a chance. Yeah. We're only done by 11. We get the ball. All right, let me not even say that. The other team scores. Now you're down 11. Now you get the kickoff. You got two minutes to go. You, have, you need 11. Okay, if we get a touchdown here, we go for two. It's eight. And then uh, onside kick with 40 seconds to go. If we recover that, then it's a field goal. And we got overtime. In other words, it strings you along. Viewing time for TV. Mm-hmm. We're not dead yet. Really, two scores down. Really, eleven down, and we're getting to. 
How are you going to recreate they've already that? Got, they've already got it. They're going to they're give you one down, fourth and 20, fourth and 15, at like your own 20. If you make it, you keep the ball. If you don't, then the ball goes over. But we have to give you one down. But there's 40 seconds to go, and we're kicking off. And we're down three. But there are no kickoffs anymore. No, I know. But now, today's rules. Uh Uh-huh. Well, today's rules. So now we got eight points. Yeah. Now we're only down three. There's less than a minute to go. We're kicking off, but we still have that little hope that we can fall on the onside kick. If if there's no now it's the other team has like you're the new rules like you're saying now the you know Packers have the ball at whatever and they just run the clock no up. no Packers don't get the ball after you score the touchdown you get the ball oh. you have one chance it's your ball at your own twenty or twenty five say twenty five the whole game no the last, last two minutes yeah so you it, can't onside kick you you can never do it during the game so only at the end of the game let me get this right so with two minutes to go. The Bears score a touchdown. Now they're only down three. Right. We get the ball again? You get one shot. After scoring a touchdown, we get the ball again? If you want it, you get one shot. Since there's no no more kickoffs, oh. you get one shot. Oh, all right. You get, you get the ball at your own 25. Okay. You have to go 20 yards for the first down. If you so make that fourth, first down. Fourth and 20. Right. It's fourth and 20. One down. If you wish. If you get right. During if, the game, you wouldn't do it. No, otherwise, gamble. otherwise the team gets the ball right. to 25 and you have to try and stop them in 40 seconds. Right, and you would no never do it in the first half. No. Because if you didn't get the 20 yards, you're giving them the ball back right. uh, near the red zone. That's what they'll end up doing. That's one of the solutions mm. that they've come up with and have talked about. Okay. So. Okay. 11 oh, o'clock. And by, and, and by the way, yeah. I, uh, baseball, after watching all the highlights on quick pitch and uh, baseball tonight and all that stuff, mm. I've decided that um, I don't want the balls being juiced. I want the balls to be cut down. Dead ball. I want it to be harder to hit the home runs. I don't want to see a 540-foot home run. I don't want to see Ronald Acuna put one in 451 feet. I want to see him struggle and make you know, try to hit the home run and make actually make it mean something nowadays. Remember when MLB had the slogan for a year, chicks dig the long ball? Yep. Mm-hmm. Then they got what protested and they couldn't do it anymore. I didn't know that. I just oh, I'm just one. Isn't that yeah. politically correct? Well, I mean, you know, the three guys you had doing it are all in the Hall of Fame. There was a commercial with Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz all talking about chicks. You want to roll ball. that uh, slogan out and see how it flies now? Yeah, I don't think that'd be a problem. You'd be the one day marketing guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. All right, but here. Chicks do dig the long ball. Funny you should mention this. What? You can't call them chicks anymore? Let's skip ahead to a chick. Let's skip ahead to 11:30. Twitter poll. Are you looking over my shoulder again at the yellow pad? Not at all. This is perfect. 11:30 Twitter poll. You can vote right now on all. Open up the Twitter lines for everybody. At ESPN 1000. MLB. Here's the question. 11:30. MLB steroid home run era. All right. Uh huh. A saved baseball. B, did not save baseball. How many times, not just this week, this this month, do I hear, oh, yeah, you know, Sosa, McGuire, Bonds, they saved baseball. The steroids saved baseball. No one says it that way, though. See, no one says steroids saved baseball. They go, oh, uh, Bonds, uh, McGuire, Sosa, Palmero, you know. That saved baseball. In other words, baseball wouldn't be around anymore yeah. if they hadn't had steroids to hit the home runs. Is that what they're saying? That's what they're saying. But there'd be no baseball. Yeah. It saved it. That's what they're saying. The 11 o'clock. 
Murph, you skipped the 11 o'clock. Rick Hahn, A or B, Rick Hahn, and we can talk about this at length at 11 a.m. in our uh, White Sox segment with Josh Nelson, Sox Machine, Jesse at 10. Arthur, I push a few minutes away. This cup, I got so much Cub stuff, we got to get to that, Fred. But 11 o'clock, vote now. Rick Hahn, A or B, regrets not trading Avi Garcia in the offseason. B, happy he did not trade Avi Garcia in the offseason. That's a second guess because he's on the DL. Oh, no, we kicked this around a lot, Fred, in January and right. February. Three three two three seven seven six. We got a caller, Luke, from Wooddale. Well, let's see. Let's see what. Uh... Hey, Luke, is that you? Hey, guys. How's it going this morning? What's up, Luke? Hey, Luke, jump in. What do you got, buddy? Go. So I heard you guys talking about the kickoff in the NFL and if uh, it should be taken away or not. I like it. Um, I think it's a good way to start off a drive or a game. It's kind of like a ceremonious way to start it off, much like in the NBA where there's a, a tip-off to begin the game. The tip-off doesn't matter, and you can also argue that the kickoff doesn't matter because there's rarely any scoring on the kickoff. But it's like it's a good, fun way to kind of know the game is starting. Like if I were to imagine that, just the home team basketball were to start right. with the ball. All right. You're fading like in and out. The middle of the game. Luke, let me just distill something down. So, in other words, I like your angle. You're saying, number one, it's a great way to start the game. Number two, it's tradition. Number three, you didn't say Devin Hester, but any, it's anything can happen. There's just one problem, Luke. If you owned a team, if you were Mr. McCaskey, or you were the commissioner, or Goodell, what's his name? Goodell. Goodell. Then you know what? You know what? Your lawyers, you'd have a Ten lawyers around Mr. McCaskey. You'd have 25 lawyers around the commissioner, right? And you know what they'd be mm -hmm. saying? We're going to be exposed to even more litigation and lawsuits if you guys don't stop these kickoffs because statistics show that 99% of the in well, I made that up. 100% of the I made injuries are on kickoffs. So everything you said makes sense. But yeah. it ain't going to happen. Well, think about it, too. Uh, Thank you for your call. And, and I understand it's a great way to start a game, but how many games in the NFL do you now see where they line up for the kickoff, and here's the kick, and it goes out of the end zone, and uh, the receiving team will get the ball at the 25-yard line. Well, they're, they're, weaning, they're weaning guys like Luke off of the kickoff by slowly pulling it away. I don't have a percentage. Maybe, maybe Eric can find a percentage uh, on the other side, but a percentage of kickoffs that went out of the end zone um, in the NFL last year, or at least the number of kickoffs that were were called uh, touchbacks. Touchbacks. How many kickoffs? The percentage of kickoffs in the NFL that were touchbacks last year, because that's what's going to happen. They're just going to say you're going to win a coin toss, and then they're going to say, "Okay, do you want the ball at the second half of the first half?" You'll say, "I'll take the ball to kick. I'll take the ball at the start," and mm -hmm. they'll say, "Okay, here you go. Here's the ball. Put it at the 25 yard line." Could I make a guess? Nine eighty five percent were. Not return. Or touchbacks. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I don't think it's quite that high, no, but I think I'm, it's, gonna, it's, it's right. getting there. I think it's probably going to be 70, right. 78, 70%. Well, when they end the kickoffs, it'll be 100%. Yes, it will be. Returned. Yep. All right, this Cub game last night. Give me a little Cubs music there, EO11. Go Cubs, go! Go Cubs, go! Hey, Chicago, what do you say? The Cubs are gone. Thanks, Eric Ostrowski. All right, keep that Cubs music going. Right now, this morning, Cubs have lost three in a row, first time this year. St. Louis is in first, Milwaukee's in second place, a half game back. Cubs and the Buckos 
both the game and a half back tied for third place, the third and fourth place Cubs and Pirates. Uh, the Cubs have now played nine straight games, scoring three runs or fewer or less, whichever you prefer. Baez, air number eight on the season. That's not good. Cubs scored two runs in the ninth, and Bryant could not tie the game up. He hit a routine 5-3. How about Quintana? 5-4 oh, was a, f- a fielder's choice. All right, thank you. Yeah. He grounded out, whatever. Yeah, just, I mean, just in case. No, you know, for the record. Yeah, that's right. Says just to show pe- just to show people, yes, indeed, I do watch all the Cub games. You did, you do. I know you do. You got two <laughs> yeah. TVs on and uh-huh. no sound. It's tough. Today will be even more tough. By the way, Wimpy was great. Wimpy was tremendous. Why did absolutely they, great? Why did they fire Wimpy after the nine years? I never understood. He and the Hawker Rule were great. Then they put uh, uh, what's his name in there? Stony. No, no, no. First they put the uh, the radio. Uh, Darren Jackson. Oh, was, I, for- uh, I forgot those. Was days. with the Hawker Rule. Yeah. I forgot those years. It'll be Sunday, um, yeah. Hawk, Hawk and uh, Wimpy for the final time. Terrific. That'll yeah. be terrific. That'll be great. So, Jose Quintana, a vote right now at ESPN 1000. You, Darvish, who is to blame? Darvish himself, Theo, he signed him. Cubs metric guys or pitching coach Jim Hickey. All right, so, Fred, I'm watching this game last night. And let me tell you something about Quintana. He's a stat head dream. I know I'm figuring all this out. Now, let the record show Theo Epstein won the World Series. So I will forever vote for him, not just mayor of Addison Street, mayor of wherever he's running. He's mayor, all right? Okay. He's the best. He won a World Series. I still have my T-shirt. Now I can die happy. All yeah. right? Fine. Your lovely wife, Dana, retweeted a picture of you with that on this week. She did. For your birthday. She did. Thank you. Uh Uh-huh. Thank you. Okay. Let me tell you. 88 is the number. Last night's Cubs game. 88. This guy threw 88 pitches, Quintana, and he couldn't make it into the fifth inning. Oh, but there was the air by Baez. Yes, there was. Yes, there was. And then the next batter... Was an infield hit. Yes, it was. This is a, a second inning. Fowler reached on E6 to lead off in the six hole. By the way, or Fowler. Fowler now in the uh, six hole. He's hitting 176. Yeah, he's struggling. Whoa, why did they, I said, I was a smart. No sign by well, Theo. Yeah, the amount of money he got was ridiculous. It's it's almost akin to the Hayward deal. But he's, well, no, no, but no, he's no. older. No, no, no. Don't go there. <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> Fowler, here's his slash line, as you guys like to say. He's hitting 170, on base 270, slug, <laughs> slugging 320. This can't be right. 320? Anyway. That might be right. Fowler gets signed on an E6. Baez, it wasn't an easy, it wasn't right to him, but, it, you know, again, he, he flubbed it. Then he made a bad throw, but it stayed out of the dugout, so he didn't get to go to second. Next batter, Jerko, infield hit. So, you know, not bad. I mean, so Quintana, you throw ground ball air. Man, on first. Ground ball, infield hit, right. first and second, nobody out. He gets the number eight hitter on a uh, short fly. Gets the number nine hitter, the pitcher strikes him out. Whew. He's almost out of it, right? 
Now, here comes top of the order, Tommy Pham. Yep. Red hot, maybe hottest hit in the National League. Yep, hitting 327. He throws him a 91 mile an hour. Look, I don't, if it was a two seamer, it didn't dive or dart. So it must have been a four seamer at 91. Inner half, a little above the knee, about thigh high. but And he hits it about 5,000 feet towards the arch for a three run homer. Now, no earned runs. Because of this archaic scoring where you recreate the inning and the first uh, play was an air. Okay, so not bad. No one runs. Here's the thing. If you're a big-time pitcher, Quintana, here's a thought. You bear down, you buckle down, you, you cover for your guy at short, and you get the third out. You don't goose in 91. And guess what else? He crossed up Contreras. Yeah, he did on that pitch. Which I did not notice. Yeah. Chapman De Jesus broke it down. Uh, oh, Jim Deshaies had it immediately. Yeah. Chapman De Jesus broke it down from all angles last night well, yeah. after the home run. Well, they had obviously uh, called, they, Contreras or the dugout, called for a breaking ball of some sort. He, he throws a straight ball, a four-seam straight ball. Boom. Boom shakalaka, as Bruce Wolf would say, right? And here's what happens. The replay shows that Contreras was going down with his glove where he thought the ball would be down and low, unhittable, you know, not a power. And F Contreras flinches. If if Fan had swung and missed, it would have hit Contreras right in the yeah, chest. it would have hit him. He doesn't even know what pitch to throw. Eight, and so, then after he throws the pitch, yeah. Contreras stands there with his hands, the, his, the palms of his hands up in the air like... What what was that? K Passa. As he's watching it go into the field seats. So I'm texting Jesse last night during the uh -huh. game, right? And Jesse's busy. Jesse's working. I know that. So I never expect a comeback from him. Uh, here it is. Okay. <laughs> My first text to Jesse. This is Jose Quintana. The guy that you traded, not only Dylan Cease, who I know he's got arm trouble, and they, uh, okay, fine. Theo figures he'll never make the majors because he's. He's injury prone. Yeah, he's, uh, he's Eli Jimenez, who had three for five last night. Fred, you know this: a single, a yeah. double, and a homer. They're also saying his name is uh, is Eloy Jimenez. I don't care. Eloy Jimenez. Well, you're a Cub fan. You but, don't care. But no, no, but no, when no, he comes no. up for the White Sox. See, I don't believe that stuff. Eloy Jimenez. And I love Pat Hughes, but he's but every uh, you Contreras. know Latino name. Well, Quintana is Quintana now, or something from Pat. I got to talk to Pat. <laughs> But I'll never forget this. Remember when the Cubs had a guy named Jose Guzman? Yes. <laughs> they did not sign Greg Maddox. Uh -huh. They signed. You left that soundbite at the other place. Well, that's what I'm leading up to. <laughs> I know. <laughs> now, it used to irritate me because everyone in Chicago, from our great update guys at that radio station, George, everybody, oh, Jose Guzman, Jose Guzman. And I'm thinking, his name got Jose Guzman. So rarely do you hear... A person say his own name out loud. Yeah. Think about it. Uh, like, hi, this is Mike Murphy. I'm calling to order a pizza. Uh -huh. All right? Uh, you don't often say out loud Fred Hubner. I say it uh, actually more than you would well, think. Well, but I'm, yeah. you're doing your show, Fred Hubner, right. back right. in a flat. Okay, sure. but you know what I mean in yeah. general. Uh-huh. So, uh, Jose Guzman does an interview on the radio station and he's irritated because he's being compared to Greg Maddox. It's not his fault that uh, Stanton Cook and those guys uh, bollocksed it up. But he, he goes, Greg Maddox, Greg Maddox, Jose Guzman, Jose Guzman. And I'm thinking, so I capture that cut yep. so I can play it. 
only trying to inform everybody. His name is not Jose Guzman. Yeah. Now, until I hear Eloy Jimenez say his own name out loud himself, I don't care what everyone else is saying. He apparently told a writer the other day. The writer's, writer wrote it in the paper. I saw it. Oh, a- that's different. Eloy Jimenez. I, I, that's different. I didn't yeah. know that. Eloy Jimenez. Okay, I thought you were just quoting like George no, Hoffman or not, something. Not, not Eloy Jimenez. Not George Love you. Not Eloy Jimenez. Let's see, now I'm Jimenez. confusing myself. No, it may be Eloy, Jime- Eloy Jimenez. That's how it is. Eloy Jimenez. He traded that guy for Quintana. That's right. Think about, think about that. You know why? Because he had good stats. See, it was all kicked oh, and out. The- and he signed for the next couple of years. Well, look, I don't, I, I don't know. You're right. but So, like, that John DeWan kicked out the uh, top uh, 200 starting pitchers last year in order. And uh, Quintana was number 13. Number yeah. 13 or 15. Yeah. Hendricks was 13. Quintana, 15. But doesn't show what's in his heart. Doesn't show that the guy, when there's two men on and two out, he gives up more three-run homers than you'll ever see. Let's go now. Oh, here. Hey, Jose from Chicago. Good morning, Jose. Good morning, gentlemen. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Hey, Cinco de Mayo. Yes, Cinco de Mayo. What's could up? Can I ask you a question? How do you pronounce Eloy Jimenez? Uh, it depends. Am I speaking in English or Spanish? Well, that's it. See, now, uh, see, no. Jose just hit the nail on the head. I agree. How do you suggest I say it, Jose? How do you suggest I say it? Uh, to the best of your ability. How, you know, if you can pronounce it, pronounce it. If not, then just go roll with what you can do, you know? You're too young. The Cubs had a guy named Jose Guzman. And he said on his own uh, interview, I'm Jose Guzman, Jose Guzman. And then everyone called him Jose Guzman. So I'm thinking, well, okay. I'm not going to say Jose Guzman if he says it, Jose. But he was saying it like English. Is that what you think or what? Yeah, yeah. All I right. mean, uh, it's, it's a little complicated. Some, sometimes some people, you mm-hmm. know, they want to have the accent, and yeah. other times they don't. Right. Uh, it's, you know, I don't know, like pick your flavor. I don't know. All right, cool. Okay. But, but listen, I had a, a thought on uh, the NFL, the, you know, kickoffs and kick returns. Uh, yeah. Just a way of kind of keeping them, but also trying to make them less violent. And I have two propositions, sure. which could be combined or could be used separately. Uh, the first one is just decrease the number of players on that play instead of having 11 on 11 make it eight on eight or nine on nine like take two guys off you know the kickoff and kick return that should open some things up so that hopefully you know there's not as many collisions or uh, or maybe the collisions would be more violent because there'd be no one there blocking or getting in the way and it'd be just head on head but good point that, what was number two Jose? uh two two would be weight limits um weight you know, limits like bantam yeah, league so, I, I think uh, I think like little kids, you know, um, you know, when you talk about little kid football, yeah. uh-huh. if you're over a certain weight class or, mm-hmm. or over a certain, you know, you have to play on the line. You can't like run the okay. ball or something. Like how that, about right? how about flag football? That's what's uh, coming. Yeah, I'm, not, <laughs> okay, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I'm going to go there. But like, you know, even if you put like you know, if you said you know, 225, mm-hmm. you know, everyone on kickoff has to be under 225. I mean, theoretically, mm-hmm. you could have more guys flying around, but cool. you also have less weight, so the force of the impacts would technically also okay. possibly be decreased. Good call. So. Just, just some thoughts. You know, okay. I mean, I would hate to see it go altogether. I hope that they, you know, play with it and right. try to get creative and figure some things out. Jose, so they, you know, excuse me, up against the goal. Last thing. So the Sox yeah. have Ave, Ave Garcia. The Brewers have a guy whose last name is the same, except there's no G. It's Arcia, A-R-C-I-A, Avi, G-A-R, right? You know, right? There's Arcia. Yeah, yeah. How come it's Avi Garcia, but the guy with the Brewers is uh, Jose 
Arcia. Wouldn't it be either Avi Garcia or this guy would be Arcia? Yes. Okay, uh, oh, I'm up against the clock. As you said, whatever yes. flavor of ice cream. Thanks, buddy. No Thanks, problem. Jose. Oh, I'm getting a bye-bye, buddy. Eric, uh, Eric's Muy got numbers. 59% of kickoffs were touchbacks last That's year. That's it. All right. Yeah. You were right. You were right. Yeah, some teams 85, some teams 40%. So it levels out at uh, 59%. Oh, good job, EO11. Murph and Fred back in a flash vote right now. Little Bears talk, then Jesse Rogers. I got some good stuff for you, Murph. Sox talk with our special guest at 11, it's ESPN 1000. Busy day, Murph and Fred. Jesse in about a half hour and uh, Sox talk. We're busy, but oh, vote right now. EO 11, what were the results? Uh, one, one minute away from Arthur Arcus, Pro Football Weekly. Uh, here was our 9 o'clock Twitter poll. Votes are in. You, Darvish. Who is to blame? A, Darvish himself. B, Theo. He signed them. C, the propeller heads, the metric guys. Ivy Computer. Or D, I got to blame the new pitching coach, Jim Hickey. Just give us the winner. What was the winner there, EO11? 74% believe that the fault is on Darvish himself. Well, naturally. Naturally. And 74%, and then, of course, our, you know, great listeners, great fans, thanks for voting. You're all wrong. That's who he is. How can you, <laughs> how can you blame the guy for being who he is? Right. It's not his fault that someone gave him a lot of money. Vote now for our 9.30. I say that all the time when I see a, a broadcaster on TV or on radio and they're they're not good and people go, that guy sucks. Hey, it's not his fault. Someone hired him. Hey, is it Hay- Hayward, by the way, one for his last 21. Jason Hayward. That's but not he, good. But he was hot a week ago. That's not one good. One for his last 21. He's hitting 218. <laughs> Who's, it's his fault. It's Jason Hayward's fault. Well, is it? All right, here's our 9.30 Twitter poll. Ten seconds away from Arthur Arkish. <laughs> Sorry. 9.30 Twitter poll. Vote now at ESPN 1000. Bears 2018. The upcoming offense. It'll be much, much better. Much better. A little bit better. No better at all. Let's go to Pro Football Weekly. They never sleep. Well, maybe, maybe. Well, now Pop. we wake him up at nine thirty uh, on a Saturday. Maybe Pop sleeps in, but he's got he's got Arthur helping him out. Arthur, Murph, and Fred. Good morning, fellas. What's going on? How we doing? We're doing great. Arthur. You are. You are. Hey, I know your family's great Cubs fans. Uh, tickets mm-hmm. uh, for so many years. Our nine o'clock poll. Our votes are in. You, Darvish. Who's to blame? You, Darvish himself. Phil. He signed them. Cubs metrics guys got them all messed up. I might have voted C, by the way. C or D. Yeah, blame the pitching coach, Jim Hickey. He's new. You want to vote on that or get right to the old footballeroo, as Dougie Buffon would have said? Well, I think I'm with the uh, I'm with the masses here. We got to blame it on you thus far, but I'm not, not overly concerned. Don't blame me. I didn't do anything. <laughs> I think Darvish uh, obviously needs to pick things up, but I, I don't know how you guys felt about it. I had some real concerns at the time of the signing. It oh, seemed like hold it was. On uh, yeah. So you really saying you vote for B? Theo, he's the guy that signed him. So you're voting A <laughs> and B. We're gonna give you a split vote. How's that? 
Well, Darvish isn't even pitching like a you know replacement level starter, much less a, a front of the line guy. The way he's being paid, so it just go. makes it a little tougher to watch what Ariad has been doing. And, and those are the concerns I did have, just assuming well, one guy was going to be markedly better than the other. Although their careers were very similar up to that point. Love it, because see, you got Pro Football Weekly, I got Murph and Fred Weekly here, and, and that would be W E E K L Y. Are you sure? I hope. <laughs> All right. Hopefully not W-E-A-K. Let's talk a little football with the guy that knows the Bears, knows the NFL, Arthur Arkish. All right, Arthur, uh, every year this time, uh, I, most Bears fans, uh, Fred, you know, you get a little excited, you know, oh, the new guys are here. Then then you start reading in the Pro Football Weekly, you guys do great. But here's I'm cherry-picking a, a headline. Uh, right after draft day uh, in the Chicago Tribune, this is actually Saturday, April 28, lighting a fire is their big headline. And then the sub-headline, explosive Memphis wide receiver Miller gives Trubisky, now listen to this, a new target to supercharge the offense. I like the sound of a... Maybe turbocharged, supercharged. Are the Bears going to have a super turbocharged offense this year? And if so, why? If not, why not? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, you know, it's all about, uh, it's all in front of them, we'll say. You know, they, they put the pieces around Mitch Trubisky to give this offense an opportunity for a speed change. And frankly, I have a hard time envisioning how we're not going to see one just based how, you know, based on how poorly things were last year. So, mm. Uh, what I think even with Taylor Gabriel's nickname, isn't it something turbo or supercharged no, or something along I those lines? Know, so, I did not know that. I'll have to double check on that, but I want to say there's something along the lines of, of turbo involved in his, uh, in his moniker. So mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, I think it's going to be very exciting. We'll see if it is going to be able to kind of, uh, mirror what we saw. Uh, you know, everyone wants to, to draw the Sean McVay Rams comparisons, but I, I think they're, they're to a certain extent very fair. You look at the way that the you know the supporting cast was improved for Jared Goff. You look at the way his coaching was improved. Uh, I'm not predicting the Bears are going to lead the NFL in scoring this season, but I don't uh. think they're going to be anywhere near uh, the last place in, in, in passing. And I want to say what they finished 25th, 26th, somewhere in the late 20s uh, in points scored as well. Arthur, uh, I think one of the unsaid, uh, like, you know, baseball, uh, the unwritten rules, you know, I think in sports talk radio, there's an unwritten rule somewhere where a guy like me is not supposed to say, let's get into the X's and O's. Oh, it's no, tur- no, tur- Mur- Turbo Taylor, by the way. Turbo Taylor. Turbo Taylor. Like you. And you're not, you know, don't get too into the X's and O's because a lot of the uh, uh, listeners, you know, the average fan. No, I give my fans and our listeners and Pro Football Weekly, of course, you got the great hard. I give everybody a little more credit. Let's go a minute or two, if you can, with us into a little more of the X's and O's of the offense. Now, RPO, run pass option. Okay, I think I know what that means. Uh, and then you look at what they've done in the offseason, they being a pace. Uh, he's, he's brought in nothing but, you know, he's got Allen Robinson, lead wide receiver. He's got his, all his tight ends lined up from Deion Sims and last year's Shaheen, uh, uh, Trey Burton. He's got the slot guys like you're talking about, Tyler Gabriel and then Anthony Miller. And don't forget, how can we forget, Tariq Cohen in the backfield. 
if you are the mad scientist that it looks like the Bears are going to be on the offensive side, what is like a, a witch's brew? What's something that you foresee coming up with? Nothing's totally unique, I guess, Arthur Fred. I mean, everybody's done everything once, maybe, maybe not. But what, what do you envision that these mad scientists are thinking about, at least looking to do and try out right now? Yeah, I mean, I think that the whole idea is just to use every inch of the field. Uh, we didn't see any of the vertical elements of an offense really established last year uh, for, you know, for several reasons. Maybe Trubisky wasn't ready, but certainly there wasn't really anyone to use uh, to, try and, to try and threaten downfield. So I think that's going to be a big part of it. But I think when you're talking about kind of stretching the field vertically, you're also talking about using it sideline to sideline. And that's why you have guys like Anthony Miller and in Tariq Cohn, of course, the one holdover, Taylor Gabriel. The idea of this offense, even more so than what we've seen the past few years, is going to be a catch-and-run offense. It's going to be uh, setting up Mitch Trubisky for high-percentage throws that's going to allow his playmakers to do things after the catch. So um, what you're talking about, you know, everything from bubble screens to quick you know, digs and hitches uh, to those setting up opportunities down the field for Allen Robinson, uh, and Anthony Miller and the rest of these guys. That's what's so exciting. I just think there's going to be a lot more diversity in the offense. You mentioned the RPOs, the run-pass options. Those are also meant uh, to get the quarterback in a comfort zone and allow him to, to sort of process what he's seeing uh, across the field and to decide whether he's got numbers uh, to run when it's a light box or to take chances downfield if they're loading up to stop Jordan Howard. So it's all about getting Mitch Trubisky comfortable, getting him in an opportunity uh, where he is able to, to, to make you know simple decisions uh -huh. that turn into big plays. And uh, that is exactly what I expect to see from, Mar uh, from Matt Nagy and Mark Alfrich. Um, and it's what all the good coaches are doing. They're understanding what they have to work with, what they've brought in, and they're trying to maximize it all together. Nothing in the NFL is really easy if you're a quarterback, but is this kind of offense a little bit, I'm going to use the word, easier for a guy like Mitchell Trubisky in his first full year, basically, as a starter, a little bit easier where he, he, he has an idea of where the ball goes right away and he has numerous options right off the bat. He's not dropping back and waiting and waiting and all of a sudden getting a pass rush. Is this offense, you think, an easier one for him? And is that why he's been so excited when he's talked about it? No doubt about it. Uh, but I will, I just want to be careful. I, I don't know if Dowell Loggins had much of a chance to do that much better than he did. Yes, I was infuriated to hear him talking about how the defense is going to decide what personnel formations he puts out there. And yes, it was infuriating to see him forget about Tariq Cohn for, you know, uh. chunks of the season. Uh. But I think what we're talking about, guys, as much as scheme, because yes, these are some innovative minds that we have now. Uh, that are going to be turning things around for the Bears. It really is, though, about the players on the field as well. And it's just been such an, a dramatic turnaround yeah. in, in what he's going to have to work with this season. So I think a lot of the excitement stems from there. Uh, but, yeah, so in, in, in the good news, I guess, for Bears fans is in the limited sample size they saw with really no starter caliber or really guys that should be on the field catching passes from Trubisky, he still showed some good decision-making and, and showed, yes. uh, I don't know if easy is the word, but he did show an ability to, to try and kind of get, I guess, the most out of what he's being asked to do. Uh, so you kind of uh, step ahead of things as you get started here, I think. I agree. Uh, uh, Arthur, let's bring in EO11. Eric, what the fans uh, vote uh, for our Twitter poll this half hour? The Bears offense will be much, much better, much better, a little bit better, or no better at all. What they say? All right, this is tight. So with only 3% says no better. In third place with 25% is a little better. 
In second place with 33% is much, much better. And then the winner with 39% is just much better. Wow. 72, <laughs> 73% much better or much, much better. Not just a little bit better. <sighs> Arthur. Hopefully we're all right. I'm going to tell you, this is Turbo, Turbo Arkish from now on. <laughs> Arthur Turbo Arkish, thanks for your time. What's going on at Pro, ProFootballWeekly.com now? Yeah, guys, we're uh, you know still kind of recapping the draft a little bit and getting ready to turn our attention to all the, the spring action we've got. I think about a little over one week left on this Team for the Ages contest we're running. We're super excited about that. So if you haven't cast your vote, uh, you better do so now. Vote on the best team of the modern era. You'll have a chance to win uh, an all-expenses-paid ticket to uh, a trip, excuse me, to Atlanta next February for the quote-unquote big game. So uh, a oh. lot going into that, and, and then we'll start turning things up again. we got our magazines going to press here in the next 10 days as well, oh. so it's always fun going from the draft to that. But uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be getting the website going even more uh, hot and heavy here in the coming days as we turn uh, our attention toward the rest of the offseason. Good, good. Please remind Pat he's not eligible, okay? <laughs> I will be sure to do that. I know he'll be really disappointed. <laughs> Thanks, Arthur. <laughs> Thanks, Arthur. Arthur, see you week, Thanks. Arthur Arkish over at ProFootballWeekly.com. Uh, let's catch up on a few things. Okay, I got a yellow pad here full of stuff from the Cubs game, but not just last night. I've been doing a lot of thinking, and I'll, uh, I'll give you uh I'll give you a little hint. Remember what my dad said about thinking. Yeah, I know, I know. It's not good for you. We're not used to it. I'm used to analyzing okay. this outfit. Okay. Here's the little teaser. Here's the headline for the next segment. Jesse at the top of the hour. Just leave him alone. Back in a flash, Murph and Fred, ESPN 1000. Oh, Fred, ever since uh, Pat gave you that drum set for Christmas, you're pretty good. I'm working on it. Welcome back, Murph and Fred. Jesse in a few minutes. Oh, stat of the year? You want a quick stat of the year? Uh Uh-huh. All right, now, sort of relates to something happened in the Cub game last (laughs) night. Zobrist. You know, you feel bad for a guy that's got a great plate discipline awareness, a hitter. And there's like the uh, 2-2 fastball, Zobrist batting from the left side. K-Zone will show it's a clear, like, half-inch, inch. inch, It's not touching any of the square, Uh but it's just almost touching this, but it's inside. It's not Even if it's touching something, you can call it a strike, you know, whatever. It's not. So here was a situation. It's, uh, the Cubs are trailing, of course, three to nothing. It's about the fifth inning. And uh, Baez uh, punches a nice uh, base hit to right field. Sort of a grounder, but goes through clean. Uh, then Hap pinch hits for Quintana in the fifth inning because he's already thrown 88 blanking pitches and he's out of the game already. Remember there used to be a derisive phrase years ago, starting pitchers that didn't get into the sixth or seventh inning. Fred, Remember this one used to go around, five and dive. Did you ever hear yeah. that one? Yeah. That guy, he only goes five innings and he takes a dive, he's out of the game. Yeah. Well, now if he went five innings, you'd be an all-star. You know, Quintana, you know, Quintana is, he's far and show me the door. <laughs> Four innings! You seem to be harder on Quintana than you are on Darvish right now. Good point. <laughs> Maybe it's just because the most recent. Well, I got to I got to protect Theo. He signed everybody. Well, because you had Quintana last night, you know. So I mean, it's you know. So here, so one out, top of five, down three, eight hitter. Baez 
Hits a base hit to right. Ground ball that goes right through. Clean hit. Now they put Happy up there to pinch hit. Uh, switch hit and bat and lefty. Drives a double into the right field corner. All right. You're down three. You got second and third. One out top of the order. Zobrist is there. It's like two balls, two strikes. He takes ball three inside. Strike three. You're out. Yep. Okay. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying. I was. It, There's an easy way to solve that. Well, it, right. Of course. <laughs> Yeah, give fire all the umps and let Fred do it from the uh, lazy boy. And the funny thing what is, what you could do. The funny thing is that Ben Zobris has been on the air a couple times and said that they don't that hitters don't want it. Yeah, ask him again after yeah. the game last night. I mean that that turns the whole game yeah. around. Yes, it does. You got the you got uh, Bryant and Rizzo coming up. You got second and third one out, and Zobrist on a two two pitch gets rung up on what should be ball three. Yep. Okay. So here's the stat of the year, and this is from Mark Gonzalez. Gonzo. Uh, okay, here we go. Take a number, any number is the headline. Cubs pitchers, you know, as well as others, of course, complain about the strikes and the balls and Kyle. Okay, here we go. According to Statcast. Oh, I saw this. They're, they're a big outfit. Yeah. According to Statcast. Well, the Cubs might have a point, but according to Statcast, now listen to this. 98 pitches this year thrown by the Cubs pitchers were incorrectly called balls when they were strikes. 98 times the Cubs pitchers threw a strike and it was called a ball. And you go, yeah, but I have no frame of reference. Uh-huh. You know, what about the other side of the coin? They give you a frame of reference. However, Cubs pitchers have had 99 pitches called strikes that were not in the strike zone. Identical. Yeah. By one. 98 times the umpire screwed up a strike, called it a ball. 99 times he screwed up a ball and called it a strike. That's 200 pitches that were blown. How can that happen? Yeah. Because they're not letting Fred sit at home and the lazy boy. I mean, Sylvie and I have been on this for a couple years. A lot of other people have, too. Uh, You know, if you're going to show us the K-Zone... Make it mean something, okay? There were pitches last night in both games, the, the sure. Cubs, Cardinals, and the White Sox, and the Twins, that were right over the plate, called a ball. And I can't imagine, huh. you know, the, the problem is, though, just the pure numbers is one thing, but what it does to the pitcher and the hitter, okay? The other day, Joaquin Soria came in, blew a game, okay? Very first pitch he threw to uh, Carpenter, Matt Carpenter in St. Louis. First pitch of the at-bat in the ninth inning, Strike right down the middle of the plate. Call the ball. Now he's behind. Now he's aggravated. What do I got to do to throw a strike? On a 2-1 pitch, he leaves one over the plate. Home run. Game's tied at two. Now, if he got that first pitch as a strike, sure. now it changes the hold at bat. There you go. And that's where the situation is frustrating because, you know, and and Joaquin Sorry is not a tremendous pitcher, but he had an opportunity to get a save and get a White Sox a win. And because of a bad call, that hold at bat went to hell. Here's a segment I'm going to call... Just leave him alone. Let's go to Clark and Addison. All right. So Darvish, he has not been good. This is what he is. I guess that they just looked at statistical analysis and didn't find out from anyone that you could have talked to in the winter in baseball that was either with the Dodgers and some or the Rangers. Everyone knows this guy is what he is. He's got great stuff. Oh, look at his... Uh, Seven pitches. Look, look at his spin rate. Look at this and that. Yeah. You know what? How about you look between his ears? It's See, I'm not going to blame this guy. I I might get in trouble for this, Fred. I almost feel sorry for him. How can you feel sorry he's making $125 million? Jeez, Mark, come on, don't you know the game? Here's the thing. 
He is who he is. Yeah, he is. Don't get mad at him. Get mad at the guy that signed him. Now, he said to a Japanese reporter, did you catch this? Got a little bit of coverage early in the week. Okay. Garbage. It wasn't, you know, to a, a, a reporter from his home country. And he basically said, they're, they're, I don't like the, they're making me throw a more variety of my pitches. All right. In other words, what he did with the Dodgers last right. year, they didn't like that, evidently, the Cubs. They wanted him to use more, for instance, four-seamers. That means the straight fastball, not sure. the two-seamer that dives. He's got seven pitches, different, and he can, and he can a variety speeds off those probably. He might have 21, whatever. So here's where they were smarter than everybody, Theo, and the propeller heads. Hey, you know what? We're going to change. We're going to get him, and then we're going to change him because we see how we can make him better. Now he's telling the Japanese, it might be an alibi. I don't know. But he's like, they're having me. Now, just see what Joe says today. Here's Mark Gonzalez. Tribune again today. Constructive criticism phase, in quotes, coming up for Darvish. We're ready now, Madden said after the game, or before the game. We're ready now to say things to him in a constructive manner. Matter, not manner. In a constructive manner. Where the constructive. Constructive criticism flows with no pushback from either side. Well, by saying either side, he means from him. Right. They don't want any more back talk from this guy. They didn't like when he talked to the Japanese paper, right? Madden emphasized the Cubs are looking for, quote, the best version of Darvish. Well, who isn't? And not to simplify. So he's already telling Japan writers that they're... They want me to do this and do that. And now Madden says, there'll be no pushback. We're going to tell him what to do. He also said, Madden, yesterday, just leave him alone, remember, was the name of this segment? Yeah. Just leave him alone. He's talking, uh, Brian, he says, uh, Madden says today, uh, we got to do better at setting the table to get men on base for Bryant and Rizzo up there as often as we can. You want to showcase it as much as you can. The other hitters provide energy. Now, let me, I know we're up against the clock. We'll get Jesse in a minute, but here's the thing. How many times have I said, think twice before you say, move the best hitter to two and the next best hitter to three, because you're going to get them. Yeah, I know. 18 more ABs every time you move up a slot. 18 more ABs for Brian. 18 more ABs for Rizzo. I can do, understand it. But you got fewer men on base. Yep. Did you notice all these teams now are starting to bat their pitcher eight again around baseball? Yeah, well, Bryce, so they can have a sec, a guy bat ninth and maybe can get some yeah. ducks on the pond. Davey Martinez was on the phone with his his uh, teacher Joe Madden, and he decided to put Bryce Harper in leadoff. He homered uh, three run homer in his third at bat the other day. Yesterday, homered leading off and again later in the game. He solo, had three, yeah. Uh, well, wow. the first one was solo, but wow. I don't think the second one was. So Joe wants both worlds here, and you know Joe's listening to Theo, and they're saying, you know what, we got to get more men on base for Rizzo and Bryant. Well, you move them up to two and three, you're not going to get more men on base. No, you're not. But you got to have your best hitter too, so he bats more. Jesse Rogers next. Oh, that was that felt like a Murph moment right there. Oh my. Gosh, I gotta settle down right here. Ah, big voice guys on vacation. <laughs> Murph and Fred back in a flash. Uno, dos, one, two, tres, cuatro. Hey! Pula, pula. 
Jesse Rogers. Watch it now. One minute away from Jesse Rogers. Murph and Fred, our number two, sun shining, beautiful day. Jesse's probably out running underneath the arch, you know, getting some exercise in before the game today. He's running right out the side of the arch. <laughs> but then he takes the elevator back down because it's too dangerous to yeah. run down it. Yeah, unlike some people, I like St. Louis. But downtown St. Louis, talk about all area, it's about four blocks. Eric, my <laughs> headphones are bad, and Fred just it sounded like he said he likes St. Louis. Yeah. I do. 30 seconds away from Jesse Ryder. Vote right now, Murph and Fred. Never been to Mike Shannon's. Fan focus group <laughs> Twitter poll. Who is more key to the Cubs this year? A, B, A, you Darvish, B, Kyle Schwarber. Let's bring in. Oh, Schwarber's had such a chance. He could have He could have got a tie the other day. Three to one. He's up with a man on base. Bottom of the ninth inning. I thought he was going to go deep right there. Jesse could have done what Schwarber did. <laughs> Men in blue. Hey, this is like being in hillbilly heaven where Jesse is. <laughs> Jesse, sing along with everybody down in the coffee shop <laughs> from St. Louis. They're all still wearing white patent leather shoes like Whitey Herzog and a big white belt around their plaid pants. And they all got crew cuts still like Whitey Herzog. Well, at least they got <laughs> hair. Morning, Jesse. Morning. Can I tell you a quick story? Um, I wish I had an Irish accent to do this, so maybe one uh -huh. of you can do it. But I'm in the elevator here. The tons of Cubs fans, tons of Cardinals fans. But uh. there's a rugby team from Ireland uh. in town, and they're taking in the sights. They go to the game last night. I guess they left in the seventh or eighth inning. So the, the rugby player says to me, what, "What's?" And I can't do the accent. What, what's with that team from Chicago? They can't score. <laughs> he goes, "I know nothing about baseball, but I know you got to score." And I'm like. Oh, my God. Get on the radio with me at 10, will you? Because <laughs> Jesse, yeah, it's, it, it's rough to watch these yeah. games with no scoring, you know? Yeah, Jesse really said is. to them, I'm sorry, guys. I got to go to the pitch and get to work across the street. <laughs> All right, Jesse's in St. Louis. Jesse and I doing some texting last night. Jesse's at work. He's busy. He's doing all his stuff. And Murph's bothering him every phone oh, no, keeps no. chiming. No, no, no. And, and uh, uh, here's what I know I've done. So I had a good uh, text when Jesse responds. Uh -huh. and I don't <laughs> no, not really. And I don't expect him to respond all because he's busy. But if I get a ha-ha, then I know that uh, Jesse's <laughs> tracking with me on this one. So uh, let's see. First inning, I texted Jesse. It was a, I said, man on first. One out, first inning, he's up to 14 pitches already. And then a little bit later, I said... No response. That's fine. That's fine. No, no. And then after, like, the, the third inning, he's getting his ears pinned back. He's up to about, what, 70 pitches after... I said he'll have to have three clean clean innings. I mean, three up, three down, three up, three down, three up, three down. To even get to the sixth, I go, fat chance. Little did I know he'd be out in the, in the fourth. And then I texted Jesse. I said... This guy tires my ass out. <laughs> Quintana. I you get, got a response I on get that, I'll physically bet. tired watching him pitch. <laughs> uh, you got a grind. Did you get a response on that one? I don't know. Jesse's the best. Oh. Here's the thing. Uh, so, oh, you did get a hot of that one. I'm looking at it myself. Yeah. <laughs> the hot would have made well, sense. I, see, I knew that. I didn't want to expose you. <laughs> oh, That'd be like, you know, releasing private tapes of someone no, talking to their lawyer. You're yeah, I'll say it up in the press box, Murph. He was a grind to watch last night on a lot yeah. of, in a lot of games. He is. Now, especially when you compare him to the other guy. I mean, 
you want to go after Theo for some today, Murph, and I, love, I know you love to. I mean, they could have had this Michelos guy. I mean, he's got like 30 strikeouts and two walks this season. Anybody mm-hmm. could have had this guy. A lot of teams were interested. I don't know how he signed just a, uh, such a small contract. He was coming back from Japan. But, um, uh, you know, somebody in the press box said the Cubs signed the wrong guy from Japan. I thought that was a little harsh. But, <laughs> no, no, no. Here's um, the, here's, here's, you, know. you know what? I don't know this, but it's obvious. He didn't have enough spin rate. His spin ball, fastball is only 2,212. It wasn't 2,290 per 60 feet. It's all the, you know what, Jesse? I just, we had a segment, Fred and I, a few minutes ago before you were nice enough to call in. And uh, it was called Leave Them Alone. All right, first I'm going to tell you what I said about Darvish. Then I want to tell you what I'm thinking about the hitting coach, okay? Number one, Darvish. So we had a uh, our poll at 9 o'clock. You, Darvish, who's to blame? A, B, C, or D. It's already the votes are in, A, B, C, or D. Darvish himself is to blame. B, Theo, he signed him. C, Cubs metric guys. D, the pitching coach, Jim Hickey. Naturally, I knew it is. Darvish wins in a landslide himself. Darvish is to blame 74%. Here's the thing. You're starting to read, but I'm starting to read between the lines. Darvish tells the Japanese uh, uh, paper the other day, and then it made uh, a reporter, you know what, they want me to uh, throw more of my different variety of pitches. Uh, I mentioned a four-seamer, which is the straight fastball. Uh, and, and then Joe Madden, and I know you're on this along with uh, all the guys have this today. And uh, Joe Madden, I can't believe he says, well, I do believe it because I'm reading it. Talking about Darvish, Madden yesterday. We're going to have to say some things in a really constructive manner where the constructive criticism flows with no pushback. In other words, yeah, we're going to have a, a chit-chat. It's a chit, though. Just me talking. You remember that old joke, Jesse? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that was Northy and... Uh, and uh, An old big, boss, yeah. The big boss. <laughs> we're yeah. going to have a chit. Yeah. Not a chit-chit. So <laughs> Joe's going to have a chit. Where he's the only one talking. Madden says, uh, you know, we're looking for uh, the best version of Darvish. Now, how about last week when Darvish says they want me to throw these more pitches? I'm, I figured out what happened. They got there, and my vote, my vote was the Cubs metric guys. Yeah, three, C, yeah. There I figured you, you'd vote that there way. There you yeah. go. Here's what they did. They look in the offseason. They got all the spin rate and this, that. And, okay, and he was throwing. He was predictable because he was throwing too many, uh, you know, sliders and all that jazz. They said, you know, we're the smartest guys in the room. But they did win the World Series. I will admit that. But they said, we're going to get this guy and we're going to change him. We're going to make him even better. He's already the, you know, 20, 23rd best pitcher according to John DeWan starting pitcher, which ain't bad out of 30, 150. So they're saying, all right, here's what we want you to do. We want you to do this and do that and do that. And he tells the, his uh, writer from back home, I don't like what they're doing. Now Joe's saying, we're going to tell him what to do. See, they thought Maybe they'll be right. I hope they're right. My God, they got it for six years, $125 million, whatever. Jesse, is it possible that they look at the numbers and say, we're going to make him better because we know something no one else knows? Oh, 100%. They've said, they said that publicly. They, th- they thought there was more there. And, I mean, I can actually – there's a lot to unpack with this team right now. We could actually relate this to the offense as well. And the, the word of the day for me in this report is overthought. And I'm not saying that's the case right, right. now. It's May, May 4th. That's why I'm saying year, That's why I'm saying leave them alone. Same right, thing. Right, right. Did they – now, look, Theo's, Theo's, 
thinking is smart is we're going to try to get better in every area every day. Like, can we get a little bit more out of Darvish? Can we get a little bit more out of our offense? Be a little bit more dynamic. Use the whole field. So, so that's what they're trying to do. But you can also overthink things, right? I mean, think about this. I mean, I'm sorry to relate it to the hitting for a second. Think about this. They score the second most runs in the league two years in a row. A lot of people were calling for Maley's head. Let's say the Cubs did not fire John, John Maley. Theo would have an easy explanation for that. We don't overreact to a small sample size in the playoffs. That's what most of the time they say when things like that happen. But uh, they go ahead and actually do fire John Maley because of a small sample size and also some moments during the regular season as well. But at the end of the day, they had a pretty good offense for a couple, three years running. At the end of the day, Darvish was pretty good as he was. Now, maybe they'll go back to letting him be himself, Murph. It's a process here. Uh, But you're not wrong, and we're not wrong. In six months, we might say, they may have overthought all this. And I will tell you, Theo, if he was on the air with you today, might say the same thing. Yes, it's possible we could have overthought all this. We fired a guy that led us to second in the league in runs. I don't care if it was an all-or-nothing offense. They won 103 games. They won 94 whatever games last year. 92. They scored enough in enough games to win and enough in the playoffs to win a World Series. So all of this is related. Maybe they did overthink some things, but I think it is too early to make conclusions. All right, Jesse, let's stay on the offense. An observation that I sort of uh, hit me sort of like, like an epiphany uh, over the last seven, eight days. The, now, this is off the wall, and I have nothing to base it on, but these hitters are screwed up mentally, the Cubs hitters. Oh, that's just an excuse. Well, maybe it is. But if it's true, it's more than an excuse. Number one, Bryant on the other day, and uh, I'm going to paraphrase, but he was very professional, but uh, they asked him, you know, it was about now that you're back, you know, after being uh, hit. I loved your phrase, you spun the other day, beamed in the head, which of course is to me and Fred, the only way you can be beamed is in the head, but people now go beamed in the ankle, so we gave you a big round of applause for that. And then it morphed into another part of the question, uh, uh, you know, what you're thinking up there, well, you know, and and he says, I get a lot of information. In other words, they inundate these guys with numbers before the game. Okay, this guy's going to do on a 2-1 pitch, he's 70% of the time going to throw a slider out of the zone. What? On a 3-1 pitch, it's going to be a fastball 80% of the time. 40% of the time will be above the belt. What? Now, Brian says, I can't take any of that with me to the plate. Because then I'm, in other words, then I get too, then I'm, all He's I'm doing thinking is, too much. I, right, like yeah. Fred's dad. Yeah. My dad my, Josh, my dad always said, you know, think is not good for you when you're not used to it. But, <laughs> well, Doug Buffone used to say when in gambling, study, study long, study wrong. Yeah. So, exactly. Yeah, Same I, thing. I, I, you know. <laughs> Doug, Doug was also great. He said the best way to diet is to eat in the nude. <laughs> Jeez. He also told me, Jesse, I can lose the weight. You can't grow the hair. So, I mean, he wasn't always nice. So, we can do a whole other book just on Doug's quotes. Let me, uh, let me augment, uh, as uh, Chester would say in the old Let me, uh, so the hitting. So, I'm watching these guys, Jesse, and you were there all these games. When the wind was, remember about, seems like a year ago, about two and a half, two weeks ago, they were going. Apple, 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 yep. apple. And they were all of a sudden red hot, top of the order, the, the new daily. Everybody's now, every game that they did that, now this might be off the wall. It was cold and the wind was blowing in. Someone said, maybe the, the Chili Davis, someone, the stats, the number guys. Someone said, all right, when the wind's blowing in, 
We want you to change. We don't want the launch angle, you know, the new thing, they, the launch angle and hitting the ball out in front of the plate to drive it up in the air. So they're all waiting nice on the ball. You wait till the ball's like over the plate before you get hit it. Then it goes more to right field. And then I notice the wind then, remember back at Wrigley Field, started blowing out last week, right? Yeah. Three then, games, yeah, the right, Rockies. Yeah. That very day, those three days, they didn't hit the ball up all once. All right. They all had the launch angle out in front of the plate trying to drive it up in the air and no, they couldn't buy a hit. Now that could be the pitching. I mean, I know there's a million variables. I know that. Point is, now last night there was zero wind. I saw the flags, uh, on TV. They really showed a flag. They think we don't care about which way the wind's blowing because we're a bunch of idiots they feel watching TV games. But, even though it wasn't cold, there was no wind. Now they went back to Apple. I counted it here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen times they went Apple. All right? Now it didn't work. Yeah, they the had ball, ten hits. But, the, but they lost. Yeah. Point is, to me, leave them alone. Someone's telling them, this is just me, but it's too much of a coincidence. They're instructing them when the wind's blowing out, you have swing number one. When the wind's blowing in or no wind, you got swing number two. I hope I'm wrong. Because it's hard enough to hit in the big leagues without telling these guys that. Is that anything that you have noticed at all? Okay, there's a lot to unpack there, Murph. I don't think they're being told. I think they're doing it on their own because it's natural. When you see the wind blowing out, you start to change your swing. In fact, I, I think Joe would like to keep, keep them doing the oppo thing. I, in fact, I know Joe does. And let me, let me get to that point because, as Fred will point out, I wrote the book on Joe. Yep. This offense, this offensive change is on Joe. Uh, and this is why I'm glad ESPN sends me on the road in all these games. Joe has been talking about hitting for 10 days now in such a passionate and even used the word personal way yesterday. This is on Joe. Now, Chili is an extension of Joe, but this is definitely on Joe. He, he wants this dynamic offense all the time, Murph. Now, they don't necessarily have it all the time just yet. It's an offense in transition. You've got to go back to what Theo said a while ago when they played 20 games. They were 11-9. and nine. He said, I'd rather be 11 and 9 and be transitioning here on offense than 15 and 5 and be slugging. But if you don't have the players that can transition all the way, maybe slugging isn't all that bad, as I mentioned earlier, because of what they've done these last few years. It's not so bad. Slugging walks, and yes, it will end up with a lot of strikeouts as well. So you got to be, you sort of got to worry about what you wish for, you, you, you know, because you may not get it. And all of a sudden, what are you? You're sort of in between. And that's why we can't judge it now. Let's see if Joe's message eventually sinks in where they are going oppo all the time. They also have to take their walks. They're dead last in the league in walks. They've also played the least amount of games, but there's, it's still not very good there. Um, guys like Elmore and Bias have to take some walks. Um, so, so that's what's going on here. There's a transitional period going on with the offense where there's two steps forward, one step back. Maybe it's one step forward, one step back. But it, we don't know if it's going to work. We don't know. And at the end of the day, maybe the previous offense – uh, with the launch angles and stuff, which Joe has been making fun of, yeah. might be the better offense for this team. This this team doesn't have a roster of Kansas City Royals players from 2015 who were contact guys. That's not who Theo and Jed drafted or traded for. They traded for power and on base because they saw 
that at the time, at least, there, there wasn't a lot of power in the league. And if they could, you know, sort of uh, gather it all up, they could win, and they did. Now other teams also have power, and Joe is trying to change this offense. But it's in transition, and you're seeing sort of the, the starts and stops of it right now. What will look like July, August, September? That's what's most important. But again, did they overthink it by getting rid of Maley and changing this philosophy? We'll fi- philosophy. We'll find out. You know, Jess, even last year, and I talked to you about this last year, there were numerous times where the Cubs were able to pound the ball and get big runs and all those things. But every time they would go into a slump and a losing streak, Joe would always talk about moving the ball around, hitting, hitting, going opposite way and all that stuff. So he would always go back to that on days they weren't hitting the ball deep. And, you know, it's a thing that, like you said, he's making a light of launch angles and things like that a little bit. And um, yeah, I have been, too, that and exit velocity and all that stuff. You know, exit velocity is really, really nice when you hit the ball. When you don't, you strike out a ton. I'll give you a fact on that. Zimmerman, right, Nationals, who I have in my damn uh, fantasy pool, he was he's third in the league, at least last week, in exit velo. He's hitting 180. Go back to you, Fred. Yeah, I mean, so so that's what happens. And some of these guys, they're worried. They hear about all this exit velocity and all this other stuff. There was a home run hit yesterday. Larry Garcia was ninety nine his exit velocity, but you know what? It, it left old? the yard. He looks younger. Yeah, it left well, the yard. Let, let, let me let me dig deeper, and it goes back to what Matt uh, Joe. I'm sorry, Murph said about um, all the information. Remember, the pitchers have that information as well. Yeah. So these the, the the defense is aligned perfect. The pitcher knows exactly what to throw to get these guys out. It's not easy to hit oppo when you're getting jammed inside, which is what what uh, righties will do on lefties, so they can't use the left side, so they're going to have to hit into the shift. Mm-hmm. Mainly's philosophy was you can't hit through the shift, you have to hit over the shift, and maybe over the fence. And so with all the information, with the, with the relievers throwing 95 to 100, ah. um, with the shifts, Maybe the answer is to hit it over the. But what's the one area where you, they can't field it? It's when you hit it over the fence. So there's, there's again, this is complicated. There's a lot to unpack. The game has changed a lot, and you, as much as we like to make fun of that stuff, there is something to the launch angle thing. Addison Russell hasn't hit a homer yet. Yeah. Addison Russell was great under John Maley a couple years ago. Now, but here's the answer, Fred. You would like a little bit of both because that's how you win in the playoffs. You hit some home runs, but when you're not hitting home runs, you you diversify and you use uh, the whole field. And Baez has been doing that. You go to right center. So I get what the Cubs were trying to do. Or when the wind was when the wind was blowing out, he wasn't going apo. He was striking out with the corkscrew swing. Came back. Well, again, that's what I'm talking about. Step forward, step back. Right. You know, that's the thing. And what will it look like months from now is is probably the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but. But at the end of the day, if you can be a diversified offense, of course you want that. But if you have players that are unable to do that, mm-hmm. and remember, at the major league level, any manager or coach will tell you it's really difficult to change a hitter. Sure, you, can, yeah. you can push him in a direction. And lastly, this is why Ben Zobrist is very important to this team. I'm telling you, if he's healthy, look at his OBP. In like 60 less at-bats at bats than, than Elmore and Baez, he has, uh, uh, he has eight walks, and those guys have like six. Yeah. I'm not diminishing them. They're good. But they have to hit 320 to be really effective for this team or hit a ton of home runs, which Baez has. So there's a lot going on there, and we'll see if it, it all pans out in a couple months. One of the things, real quick, I just want to throw a stat out there just for the people out there because we hear a lot about strikeouts and hits and all that stuff, and there's been more strikeouts than hits uh, all around baseball. Right now, the Cubs, 247 hits this year. 
248 strikeouts. But here's the one thing. more than hit. That's great, Fred. Here's another stat, though, Jesse. Everyone keeps talking about the lack of walks. You know, I heard it all week. The yeah. Cubs are fourth in the National League and on base out of 15. They are. T- well, they have a, they're hitting okay, which well, is good. That's that's oh, probably what batting average stinks. <laughs> that's what I you know that. Batting well, average yeah, don't but, matter, but, but that goes back to all those oppo hits well, and stuff. The infield well, hits uh, Schwarber's getting. No. But, you're, you, but if you're going to be a great offense, OBP yes. uh, walks is going to relate to but that. They're you fo- know. Buddy, they're fourth in the league and on base. Why do I have to keep hearing about walks? Here's the next thing. No one well, wait see- a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on. As of this morning, they're seventh, Murph. So that's dead in the middle of the league. They were, fourth, league. They were fourth two days ago. Yeah, they're seventh well, now. Well, now they're seventh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Dropping like a rock. <laughs> yeah, they are. Here's, here's Kyle Ravage. Murph and Fred with Jesse. A couple more minutes. He's live in St. Louis. We're trying to figure out how the Cubs can avoid their 10th uh, straight game of three runs or less. The on-base percent. See, everything's changed. And I hope Theo is nimble because he always says he is. No longer is the on-base. See, the first reasons for on base walking walking was back 20 years ago uh kevin euclid boston was to get the starting pitchers pitch count up to get to the soft underbelly of the bullpen back in those days the uh sixth inning man would come in a seventh inning game they were meat they were they were triple a bust outs and you'd fatten up in the sixth fifth sixth seventh inning if you could get the starter out you said a minute ago jesse now the last guy in the bullpen bench this eighth guy seventh guy he's throwing 99 the whole thing's different here's carl ravich from espn baseball sunday night on our air a few days ago he's talking about this very thing i believe it's regarding the red sox listen what the red sox are doing this year they're it's funny they're being a little more aggressive especially on balls in the strike zone it seems so logical like yeah it's a strike you swing at it uh but maybe the grind it out let's Let's see, you know, 10 pitches per at-bat. Maybe that philosophy is changing a little bit because these guys are so into strikeouts. They're always in the strike zone. I mean, it's so bizarre. You guys watch baseball, you know, 3-2 curveball. We don't throw 3-2 fastballs anymore to make sure. We're trying to strike guys out. So maybe the adjustment has to be on being a little more aggressive when the ball is in the strike zone as opposed to being more patient and grinding the bats out. But I think that we're going to have a record number of home runs hit this month. Like April was the month of strikeouts. I think May is going to be a record number for home runs and I think that's what this season ultimately will be all about. Home run records and strikeout records. And We've seen one. I think we'll see the other this month. Alright, Carol Ravitch. Let me turn to Paige, fellas, real quick. Jesse, uh, here's uh, uh, Joe. You had this. Everyone had this uh, yesterday. We have to do better at setting the table to get Rizzo and Baez up there as often as you can. It's, it's got two correlations that are mutually exclusive. I know Joe's a smart guy, but it's double talk. Listen closely. He's talking about the fact that he's got Bryant two and Rizzo three. I've never liked that. Oh, you got to have your best guy back too. No, he's got know. it again today. Too. Okay, here's what he says. We got to do better at setting the table for Bryant and Rizzo to get them up there as often as possible. Here's what happens. When you move your third hitter to two, 
and Rizzo from four to three, you get them each 18 more at-bats a year. You know what, Jesse? John Dewan told us that when you were running a board, a young pup out of NIU in 1992. We understand that. But then they never asked John Dewan how many men on base for the leadoff hitter, the two-hitter, the three-hitter, the four-hitter in baseball. And it's, it's amazing how many more people will be on base for the three- and four-hitters. Your power, guys. I don't like it. And I don't want to see it, and that's because they don't have confidence in anyone batting one and two. Because Theo was had a leadoff hitter when they won the World Series, and then you know what happened last year? He doesn't have one, and this year he doesn't have one. Um, I tend to agree with you. I don't think it's the biggest deal in the world, but I, I will say this. And we're, I'm looking at the lineup today, and Fred referenced it. Um, I like the eight names in there. I don't mind uh, mind it. But Madden's uh, really tied to this lefty-righty thing all the way down. That's I think, fine. You know what? Whatever. I don't like that. No, but I'm agreeing with you. I, I think Schwarber should bat second. I think Zobrist and Schwarber should be in there every day until this offense gets going with some walks and everything else. Feed Rizzo and Bryant that way. Zobrist, Schwarber. Instead, he goes Zobrist, Bryant, Rizzo, Contreras, Schwarber, Russell, Hayward, Baez. And because of the lefty-righty thing, you have Baez in the eight hole. I don't think that that's right either. Move him up a little bit. He's lost, anything, his, and Baez he's lost switch spots. Joe, right now, is confused. Back to you. <laughs> I'm serious. And here's the, here's the final thought. He is really still in Ian Happ's camp. I think... And he used the word personally with Ian Happ. He's taken Ian Happ's struggles personally as well. That's kind of Joe's poster child. And I, I like the aspect of Joe that he doesn't want one young player to struggle. He is committed to young players succeeding because if they struggle early, they could be buried for years. I get that. But uh, he's really tying himself to the things he says about Ian Happ. Now, Happ's not in there today. But I, I commend Joe for trying to get the best out of some of these guys. But, uh, look, I, I know that in a month or two he'll go with the hot hand and all that stuff. Stuff. He's trying to get everybody involved, but this is an offense. Just to sum up, this is an offense in transition. Huh. But they need to win games as they're transitioning. And uh, I'm with you. I, I would put their best on base guys at the top. To me, that Zobrist and Schwarber outside of the power guys in Rizzo and Bryant. The power four, hitters bat three yeah. and four. If there's men yeah. on base, they'll get better pitches. Doesn't he ever say that? Just no. pushing pushing the young players was great when you were at Tampa. Now you're the Cubs and you're expected to win. Okay, you're expected to win and you're expected to take your your return to the NLCS and go to the World Series. It, you know you can't worry about the young players. I understand what you're saying about Hap. Yesterday he came in. It was that was nice. Maybe it gives him a little bit of confidence. No, but he, but, Bert, but uh, Fred, he, Joe would tell you, you know what? I do worry about it because I might need him in two months. I will need him in two months. He's a switch hitter with pop that can play different positions. So we could go back and forth. I don't disagree with trying to get all twenty-five guys involved. But at some point, you're going to have to let go, and they will. They'll send him down to the minors if it doesn't work out. Look, I have no problem with a manager trying to get everybody going. That's his job. Um, but if you have, if you're an offense in transition, man, you you got to be winning enough games in the meantime, and that might be playing your best eight at, at some point. Obviously, I don't know if that includes Hayward or not in right. terms of what he brings offensively. But um, that that's the last thing. I mean, they're they're in transition. They're going to go through growing pains. And the result will either show Theo and, and Joe were smart or they were really dumb in changing hitting coaches and philosophies. I'll tell you, Jesse, I hear your music in the background, but God love you. He even plays though it, you're he brings a, it with him. You're a radio guy, and you heard the music, and it didn't Sorry. stop you, did it? I love it. <laughs> my, my apologies. That's okay. Hap, uh, we had a thing last week, two weeks ago, Fred. My, I had a Twitter poll, Jesse. Who has the bigger upside? I got buried. In the, and Fred, everyone yeah. voted against 
Hap or Almora? It's obviously Hap, if you dissect the question. Who is a bigger upset? I'm not saying he'll ever be better. He might bust out. But he's got the upset. He belongs at AAA right now. He needs to play every day for about a month and get his confidence back, get his groove back. But they got no one to bring up, so they can't send him down. Hey, how about Hayward? One for his last 21. But he was hot a couple of weeks ago, Murph. One for 20. One for 21. He's hitting 218, and he's in the lineup again. I had a soundbite of you. We don't have time earlier in the week where you said, I don't know why if you had between Schwarber and Haywood. Haywood. Yep. Okay, so, but Hayward's in the lineup today, so he can be one for his 25. No. Listen, you heard me. Schwarber should be in the lineup every day. Should be in the lineup. I don't care why he's lefty. Let, well, find out what he is. And if anything, he'll take some walks again, which he's now doing. So let let him play and figure out the rest. Say goodbye, Jesse. <laughs> goodbye, Murph. No, no, no. You don't know oh, the sorry. joke? I, I thought you were a vaudevillian from the Catskills. Say goodbye, Jesse. Goodbye, Jesse. Goodbye, Jesse. There you go. He's the best. Jesse Rogers, we're up against the clock. Murph and Fred stay in the baseball beat. We have some uh, bears to throw in there. White Sox talk at the top of the hour with our special guest, Josh Nelson at Sox Machine. We're busy. Back in a flash, Murph and Fred, ESPN 1000. Nick Murphy, Fred Hubner, back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. <laughs> We're down to the 50-yard line. 90 minutes gone, 90 minutes to go. I had to go to the oxygen tent there from after Jesse, just like Quintana wears me out watching him. Jesse, but in a good way, wears me out. Well, you know what? And I think we should just bring up what we were just talking about. Oh, uh, we will. Yeah. <laughs> so we got the uh, yellow pad, lots of random stuff. Say thoughts. on the air what you say oh, off the air. Oh, it's Tony and Harry many years ago. <laughs> Do people know what you're saying there? No, they have no idea. Should we tell them? Uh, you, we can if you want. That's fine. One day. <laughs> this is not like urban legend facts. Oh, no. So Harry and his psychic on TV. Stone Pony. They come back from a break. Oh no, it was airplane. They're oh, Harry. All the Cubs are terrible. They're doing terrible. And finally, Harry says right on the TV, "Stave, why don't I can't do the voice? Yeah, why don't you say on the air what you say off the air? Actually, it was why don't you say on the air what you say on the airplane? Oh, did he say yeah. airplane? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. And then, of course, nothing from the other microphone. Yeah, it's very quiet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know you know who your bread is buttered by. You know. Wasn't buttered by Harry. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. Where's Harry? He got so tired of that. He, that was the name of his book, remember? I do. The yep. name of the book was Where's Harry? Where's Harry? Obviously, he was so irritated everywhere he'd go. Hey, where's Harry? Yeah. People still say to me, where's Volk? Oh, no, that's a long time ago. Abe, the vendor, Wrigley Field. You know, everybody knows Abe. Where's that? So here's what happened. In the ninth, now listen to this. The ninth inning yesterday, the Cubs are mounting a little bit of a well, nice little rally. Little yes, comeback. they did. They're down 3 nothing. All right, ninth inning. Elmora leads off with a single. Hayward actually drilled the ball hard out to deep left field. Yeah, it was a nice catch by Ozuna. Baez singles. So you got... Uh, First and second, one out, tying run up at the plate. La Stella pinch hits. The hitting machine with one out drives a uh, line drive to uh, short center field. 
Center fielder comes running in. Is he going to make the great catch or is he going to drop for a single? There's one out. You look on the TV, El Mora's got his head down round and third. Yeah. He thinks there's two out. He's round and third. If the center fielder makes, would have been a great catch, but he almost made a great catch. Yeah. You toss it back to second, double him off, game's over. And just so everybody knows, this isn't just us bringing this up. Oh, Jimmy Deshays. Jimmy Deshays couldn't believe it. He goes, well, where's El Mora going? There's, Jimmy there's only one out. No, quote, Jimmy Deshays, quote, El Mora was lucky. He must have thought there were two outs. Yeah. All right. Not lucky today. So I'm looking at, and Fred and Jesse, this went over my head a few minutes ago. So I'm looking at the Cubs lineup today. Zobrist in right. Bryant, Rizzo, Contreras, Schwarbs in left field, batting fifth. Russell at short. Hayward in center. Baez, second, and a pitcher, Chatwood. And in the hallway, Fred, I said, uh, Oh, I, I just noticed Hayward's in, in the center. Yeah. And then you mentioned, well, Zobrist is in. in Zobrist is in right. And yeah. then I said, well, you know, Zobrist can't play right. Yeah. Then I'm thinking, El Mora went two for four yesterday, and he's benched. You know why? There you go. Not you paying attention. Didn't know how many outs there were. Yeah. Something something ain't happening right there right he did, now. He did score, but. Mm-hmm. Tell you what, let me take a look at. Oh, how about our uh, Twitter? Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Our Twitter poll for this half hour. We've been talking about it. When will the NFL eliminate kickoffs? A. Never. B. Not for ten years or so. C. Sooner than you think. Last chance vote right now at ESPN One Thousand. Hey, what were the results? EO Eleven. If you're uh, on the. Whatever, whatever you're on there, you're on the chair, you're on your headphones. Did we get results uh, for our uh, 10 o'clock Twitter poll? Who is more key to the Cubs in 2018, Darvish or Schwarber? I vote for Schwarber. Everyone's going to vote for Darvish. It'll be about 80 to 20. Actually, 70 to 30, Darvish. Yeah, well, that's incorrect. Because if Darvish is even just a fourth or fifth starter, the other guys should be able to pull the weight, the other rotation. And if you don't have Schwarber, you know, doing the 280, 340, slugging 30 homers, you know, you, you need that guy hitting. So uh, I will go, as always, out of step Charlie Apo. But that's fine. Uh, and vote right now uh, about the kickoffs. You can vote for our Rick Hahn question at 11. Sox talk right around the corner. Fred, I got the yellow pads bursting. Let's go to the... Ah, that's right, Slick. All right, number one. Fred, how do the Bears get to eight wins this year? All right? And I'm not. we're not going to go win, lose, lose, win, win, lose, lose. We're not going to do that. Here's my question. 16 games, eight and eight. Right now, they're six and a half over under in Vegas, right? Yep. Wins. All right. Let's just look. You play two with the Packers, two with the Vikings, two with the Lions. I believe that's six. It is. All right. How many of those six to go eight and eight? How many of those? And this could be even any division, not really even the North, right? NFC North. Mm-hmm. So how many games, you know, would you like to, like Ditka, the coach. He's, you know, they would win. Back then, there were uh, five teams, Tampa Bay, and they'd win all eight. They'd win them all. they win yeah. all eight. For the Bears to win eight, how many of the six games with your division 
would you have to say you'd pretty darn well win? Well, I'm going to go the easy way. I'm going to go, you have to win three. Yeah. You have to win three of the six, and then you have to win five of the other ten. Well. Right? So. Can they? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I think think they can. I think Detroit's highly overrated. I don't care that they have a new coach. Mm -hmm. They still have the same players that they had. Um, the, the Green Bay Packers don't have Jordy Nelson anymore. Uh, they do have a pretty good running game. The Vikings are good, but now they have a new quarterback. Let's see what Kirk Cousins does up there. So it's easy to say, but are you looking at, uh, you know, realistically, one and one, one and one, and one and one with the, all three teams, Green Bay, Detroit, Minnesota? It, it could be losing two to the Packers. I know. I just ah. said that. Don't drive off the no, road. No, no. Splitting with the Vikings and sweeping oh, the Lions. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. That's the way I would look at it. I... I I don't know. Matthew Stafford it just it just doesn't work. He'll put up some nice numbers, but they seem to last last year. I think it was last year they trailed in almost every game that they came back to win in. I mean, big four and, and two would be back. nice. Yeah, oh, four and two would be great. It'd be really great. Yeah, but I, you got that means you have to beat the Packers once, the Vikings once, and then get the Lions twice. I don't want to get crazy here. You know. They won three, then they won five, so the natural progression is seven and nine. You know, I, you know who knows? They could, you know, because they could win 16. Don't get me wrong, they could win zero. They could win 19. <laughs> All of a sudden, we'd be celebrating with a parade. But you can't lose 19. No, you can't. All right. Next. In fact, this is more than just on the yellow pad. The most you can lose is 16. This is a beef. Uh-oh, what's your beef, Murph? Ever since the draft last week, the day two, when he made the trade, yep. next year's two for this year's two and throw in a four, right? Uh-huh. I screwed that up last week. Remember when I tried yeah. to say that? Yeah, you got all, it down now. All week I was saying it out loud at all. Uh-huh. This year's two for next year's two and throw in a current four. Okay. All week, people were, and I'm not, you know, I don't mean this station, other stations, men on the sky, the street, social, it was saying, I can't believe they traded away next year's two. You know, it's all they're trading away these twos. How are you going to get back a two? You got to get back that two. I heard a guy, and let the record show, not J.D., not Tom Waddle, but a guy somewhere in Chicago that knows a lot about football. Okay. He had a live interview with Ryan Pace. Uh Uh-huh. He asked Ryan Pace, the Bears GM, do you think we can get back the second round pick in next year's draft? Okay. Ryan Pace should have hung up the phone for being an idiot, <laughs> but he was nice enough to continue talking. Oh, the the question was bad, or the the question? Okay. Yeah. Can we get back that second round pick from next year's draft? You moron! You got a second round pick this year. You didn't lose next year's second. You moved it up 12 months. Right. You got an And all you one. did for the time element, if you've ever, you're a stock market guy, uh, options, you know, ex- they expire worthless. They're worth more value when they're far away. Yeah. You know, blah, blah, yada, yada. Cow jumps over the moon. Ryan Pace says, wait a minute. Can we get back the second round pick from next year's draft? We got it back. We've selected Anthony Miller. And we gave up a four because of the time value. Right. This is a guy that's been around and knows the Bears. And he asked this guy, can we get back? You got it back. You moved it up 12 months, you idiot. You threw. You had to give a four for yeah. the time element. Yeah. And that was another ah. moment.
so many moments, so little time. Let's catch up on a few things. Sox talk top of the hour. Yellow pad continues. And look at I know, Fred, you, you got all kind of notes. We got to cram all this in, so let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hope you're having a great Saturday. Murph and Freddy, ESPN 1000. Glad you're with us. I'm Mike Murphy, Cub fan from Lions Township High School, LaGrange. He's Fred Hubner, White Sox fan from J. Sterling Martin East High School yeah. in Cicero. I grew up in Cicero. There's not too much I believe in unless I see it. There you go. Now, one of the uh, graduates, Morton, uh, eventually Morton East and Morton yeah. West combined, you can go to either, and uh, Luke mm-hmm. Gregerson went to one of them. I heard that last night. Yeah, and, and it's weird because just listening to Len say it, he said he went to Morton High School, and I'm saying, yeah, he went to, I think he went to West but you can go to both schools. But when people hear Morton, they think of Morton, Illinois, instead yeah. of hearing Morton East, Morton West. But uh, you know, they hand him a three by five card to read, or he reads it no, out I mean, of the media guide. Yeah, I think he remembers him though. Because, but yeah. it was weird because he he was born in Park Ridge and must have moved to Berwyn. And uh, Luke mm-hmm. Gregerson, uh, Morton guy, and uh, and it was funny because they said he was throwing a slider, and I think it was the Shays. He goes, he made a lot of money on that pitch. Let me tell that, you. No, he said that pitch has made him a lot of money. It's got to be accurate. Deshays is very good. Yeah. He's much, much most improved player uh, from when he first got here. He's terrific. I like him because he's very comfortable. And I like him because I'm an older guy and he's got a lot of older oh, yeah. TV uh, things. He's he'll, a big TV guy. He'll throw in a Sheriff Andy Taylor on sure. you every once in a while. Sure he will. Yeah, he throws <laughs> those in for you. And you know another guy, and I hmm. mentioned this once or twice, but I want to make sure I mention it again. Um because he was so bad last year, and it wasn't all his fault because it was the first time he's done it, and that was all my opinion. David DeJesus has gotten much better, too. I think DeJesus has gotten more comfortable. He's breaking things down. He's able to talk about more than just at-bats and things like that. I, I love the job he's doing right now. I watch him, and Cap, sometimes I'll take the game, and I'll just, if I miss the game, I'll just skip to the post game and watch those two guys. Yeah, they exactly. break it all down for you. It's great. The Sox guys do a good post, too. They were there last night. Yeah, Bill a Melton. Night after and, uh, Bill Melton night. I, I miss. I wanted to go just to get a Bill Melton T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Maybe Brooks can set me up. Double X. That'd be nice. Thanks, Brooks. Thanks for listening, Brooks. <laughs> Always does. You should have more day games in the summer. Wednesday home games, day games, and let, let it, today's eighty. How nice would it be for a Saturday afternoon game? I, I think they have fireworks though. But see, Brooks is so. You're too worried about the TV. Evening ratings on a Wednesday in June and July, as opposed to having the fans come out, high school, college, families, and they you come out to every Wednesday. What would it be? Two in June, two in July, two in August. They do Six. have some Wednesday afternoon games. Oh, they all it should be yeah. automatic. Yeah. See, it should be ingrained. Yeah. Thursday day game, summertime fun, whatever it is. Yeah. This right? we, this Wednesday they play Pittsburgh, uh, an afternoon game. Here's a oh, real quick another. The Sox and Cubs are both home on Wednesday afternoon. Fred, you were on the air this week. Yeah. And uh, the Cubs were getting ready to play day game. And uh, it was hot. Man, it was about eighty-two degrees, mm-hmm. and wind. And uh, one of your guys uh, said, "We which way is the wind blowing?" I wanted to Wrigley Field. We should call Jesse. I was a little disappointed. I, I thought over the years I had taught you in this when the wind's blowing out yeah, at I don't Wrigley pay any Field. Attention. To me, I don't blame you. <laughs> I pay a game to get a show to show. No, but when it's, when the wind's blowing out at yeah. Wrigley Field, ninety-nine point nine 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 nine. It's if it's hot, the wind's blowing out. In right. fact, here's, yeah. hot here's blowing the out, cold blowing in. Here it is, windy and this is for t-shirts. Windy and hot, 
wind blowing out. All right? Yep. Never, every time. So it was 82 degrees. It was windy as heck downtown here. And cold Jesse, let's see which way the wind's blowing. All right, that's just, let me scratch. Well, they wanted to find out how hard it was blowing. And as a matter of fact, that's when I was with Carmen. Well, it's on your phone. That's when I was with Carmen. And um, the interesting thing was the over-under on that game was 10.5. Mm-hmm, yeah. The Rockies won 11-2. to Okay. So they they missed a missed an opportunity. They didn't lose money. No, they missed an opportunity. So I've been hearing this. You know, another thing that can uh, irritate me, which is easy, but burns my butt. Flame about three feet high, and we love we love everybody that ever picks up a phone and calls ESPN one thousand. Right? We love everybody. Sure. Mitchell's in displays on ESPN one thousand. Okay, let me start. This is uh, is this Carmen bringing on uh, the caller? Right? Yep. Yep. Correct. Mitchell's in Desplaines on ESPN 1000. Last year, we had so many unknowns with Mitchell Trubisky. Okay, we went 0-6 in our division last year, and we still have no idea what his, you know, what the reality of his potential is. I do feel as though that the Bears' division is super competitive. Yes. But we're is. not discussing what people don't want to talk about is that you've got Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. You've got a brilliant head coach in Detroit from the Patriots. He's brilliant. Defensive mind. He's going to give all sorts of problems to Trubisky. And also, you have a healthy Aaron Rodgers. Now, again, we went 0-6 in our division. Let that sink in. It's a bitter pill. All right. Again, let the record show we love all the callers. I don't know if he was a Packer fan or a Viking fan or a Lions fan or a Bears fan. Doesn't matter. But everybody's, and I'm starting to test. What did Trubisky show last year? What did Trubisky do last year that makes it? Well, number one, he played uh, 12 games. All right. Number two, he he was playing for an idiot number one, the head coach, an idiot number one A, Dal Loggins. All right. See, I won't go that way. I'll just say he's a rookie and he had a lot to learn. All right. And they were not going to put him in situations right. to to have him lose and just throw the ball all around. Okay. So they played a very very controlled. I can buy that. Tame offense. All right. But. That still is key to the equation, I believe. And who was the bear? Was it the running back? Uh, what's his name? Howard? Yeah, Jordan Howard. The other team knew what we were running. Yeah. Remember when he said that? Didn't get much publicity. Mm-hmm. We were predictable. I believe he actually said the other team sometimes they knew, knew our plays. They knew our plays. Yeah. So and you got no wide receivers. You got no scheme. You got nothing going for you. And the guy had, uh, Trubisky had seven interceptions and seven touchdowns, if I recall. I believe I'm correct on that. And everyone's going, well, you know, we didn't see nothing from him. Like, what'd you expect to see? Yeah. They would not open. They, they weren't going to no, open it up. Right. And, Fred, yeah. you know, you're right. I mean, what you said. They weren't going to have him drop back and just look for receivers and throw interceptions. They didn't want to do that. They didn't want to ruin the kid's right. confidence. I, no, you're right. So seven and seven and, and what they did. and uh, But he had no chance to show no. any upside, no, I guess. He couldn't, um, he, I mean, you're right. He couldn't throw to a tight end who should, still was learning the offense. Tariq Cohen still couldn't be used on third down they and, and late him, game two-minute situations. Tariq Cohen into open yeah. space if they if they you paid him. Right. So many people think that you get to, you're drafted, you get to the NFL, and boy, you should be able to know the whole, no. Offenses in the NFL are complicated. It takes a while for guys to learn it, especially when you're a tight end coming from Ashland College. I'm not saying he's going to be. Terry Cohen coming from NCA and T. I'm not saying he's going to be better. Maybe he won't. But to say he showed nothing last year, therefore, That's wrong. how's yeah. he going to be good this year? Yeah. He had no, It's amazing he he did as well as he did. Yes, yes it is. Considering the other yeah. team knew what the play was. 
it's it's not it's not like he was as bad as Mike Lennon was. Okay, uh, let's take a break. I can't take it anymore. But we have an hour coming up. Hey, Fred, White Sox talk. Lots going on with the Sox, both on 35th Street and a Triple A Double A ball. White Sox talk next. Josh Nelson said he'd phone in. Sox machine. I've heard him. He's great. Yep. Back in a flash. Vote at ESPN 1000. Bum, bum, ba-dum, ba-dum. Bum, let it roll in. I like this. Ba-dum. A walk in the black forest. Final hour, Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, one minute away from White Sox talk, Jeff Nelson, Sox machine. Let's quick bring in Josh. I'm sorry, Josh. Josh Nelson. Uh, let's bring in uh, Eric Ostrowski, EO11. What the fans vote last half hour. When will the NFL eliminate kickoffs? A, never. B, uh, it'll be at least 10 years or so. C, sooner than you think. Eric? Uh, the winner was 65% said sooner than you think. There you go. What came in last? Never? 9% with 10 plus years. 26% said never. 26% the optimists out Unbelievable. There. One out of every four people said never. I like the collisions. Yeah. Pretty soon it'll be take the helmets off. Here are these flags you got to put on. Google. Hey, Google up the flying wedge. Just flying wedge. <laughs> Some bacon. Uh, 30 seconds away. Josh Nelson. Fred, uh, last uh, half hour, I speculated why in the world is Russell not playing today in the Cubs lineup? Jason Hayward in center. Uh, in right field, Ben Zobrist. Zobrist, of course, can't play right. Schwarber tries hard. He's better this year, he, but he can't play left. He's got an arm, though. He threw he yes. the guy out uh, the other day. Got a catcher's arm. Yep. And uh, I hate to I tell everybody. I don't know where Matt Carpenter was going. I hate but. to tell everybody, Jason Hayward not, is not a great center fielder either. Then it dawned on me. He benched Almora because in the ninth inning on second base with one out, he thought there were two out, ran like mad on a sinking liner to center. Center fielder almost caught it. Would have been a doubled off second end of game. Some may say that he uh, he had a good read on the ball. He went two for four. Only he would say that. So I some, think, but... Tell me someone's... I had a couple people that said, well, no, the reason he's not playing is because it's against a righty. He's not benched. It's yeah, a right-handed pitcher. Yeah. He went two for four yesterday against righty. Against righty. And, two of them, yeah. And he went 12 straight games. And he had Thursday off, he he benched him, and Joe will say, well, we didn't like him, and Joe will have a million reasons. He won't say, well, which is fine. His hair is getting so black. Which is fine. Vote right now. It's not becoming. Uh, It's just weird. It's becoming more unbecoming, if that's possible. It's just weird. Rick Hahn. And I'm a guy that used to dye my hair. Vote right now. Our Twitter poll. Rick Hahn, A or B? Rick Hahn, A, regrets not trading Avi Garcia. B, happy he didn't trade last winter, Avi Garcia. Let's talk White Sox baseball. In the white room. White room. With black curtain Sox colors. Near the 35th Street Station. Let's... What's he saying? Sox machine. Josh Nelson with Murph and Fred. He is there with Daza. Josh! How you doing, Josh? Hello! What's up? Hi. I am doing well. Thank you guys for having me on. Josh, I'm going to throw it over to Fred, but not only Major League Talk, and all through the Sox game last night as well they should, pulling out numbers, the AAA guys, big stories today in all the papers about Kopech. You've got the Eloy, AA Fred, I want you to talk about. Three for five, just missed the cycle. Uh, Guys, Basabi, right down the line. Fred, where do you want to start? Uh, Carson Fulmer. 
Hey, Josh, let's start with Carson Fulmer. Uh, you okay. know, the only upside I saw in Carson Fulmer last night, and I know he had a couple of nice outings in a row, was Ricky Renteria. I couldn't believe he left him in when he did last night, but then he got like two strikeouts in a row, and then he came out of the, bouncing out of the dugout with a big smile on his face. You think that, I mean, you think he's handling him well? Do you think, um, he should have pulled him earlier? And do you think, I mean, that's, with me, and I don't know how much you know about me, Josh, but I don't think managers are worth a whole hell of a lot of wins. But it's all—it's it, how you hand, how you handle your pitching staff and basically how you keep the the locker room going. And I wasn't sure when he didn't pull him out originally. I said, "Well, he don't want to win this game." But then he struck out two guys. You think that's good for the uh, you know the the psyche of a Carson Fulmer? Yeah, I do. I think Carson Fulmer needs to continue to build confidence as a starting pitcher and. Fulmer's going to get a long leash this year, and he's going to get his starts. Ultimately, Fred, I think Carson Fulmer ends up being a bullpen pitcher for the White Sox, a guy who could be similar to like Andrew Miller, who you could bring in the sixth and seventh inning if a starter fails, or you go into the postseason one day if that ever happens again for the White Sox, <laughs> in which Fulmer could be effective out of the bullpen and you shrink your starting rotation. So I think for Fulmer last night, yeah, he gave up a career high in home runs. And uh, the Minnesota Twins, they can hit, man. When they're on a roll, they can most definitely hit. Uh, but I, I guess the positive with the home runs is that Fulmer was a, at least living in the strike zone, that he was forcing the Twins hitters to have to hit and have to swing. And that's just part of the maturation process for a Carson Fulmer, for a Ronaldo Lopez, and even for a Lucas Giolito, that at the beginning of this year, these guys weren't in the strike zone. They were walking yep. far too many hitters. So I'd rather have them be aggressive right now in the strike zone. And they give up home runs. Okay. I think everybody understands what this season's all about. They're currently 9-21. and 21. I do not see them going on a 21-9 and nine run anytime soon right. and getting back to 500. Uh, so I think for the way that Fulmer ended his start, it is one positive that he can take to go into his bullpen day in a couple of days with Coop and then get ready for his next start. Okay, another thing that aggravated me last week, and I know he hit a walk-off homer. He's got five hits since he came to the White Sox. Three of them are home runs. What was the point of bringing Trace Thompson back? Because the White Sox do not have any good center field options at the moment. Adam Engel is not hitting. Uh, I think Rick Renteria wants Lurie Garcia to be a super utility player than an everyday center fielder. Then you go to AAA Charlotte. Charlie Tilson is not hitting. Jacob May is not hitting. You go into Double A. They uh, Tito Polo is not hitting very well in Double A. And then you go all the way to Winston Salem, and it's just absolutely crazy to think of calling anyone up for a high A. Right. The White Sox do not have a center fielder for the next couple of years. And when it comes to free agency this offseason, I do think Rick Hahn needs to explore finding a short-term center fielder because he's literally taking players at the moment and throwing them against the wall and see who sticks. Right. And with Trace Thompson, I think that's the point. Uh, Thompson's been playing more right field, though, I think to uh, at least fill in the need with Avi Garcia being on the DL and with the White Sox being mum, as they typically have been the last couple of years with injuries, we have no idea when Avi is coming back. Uh, so I think that you are seeing the lack of depth of outfielders for the White Sox in AA and in AAA. Uh, the good news is that the depth that they do have in the system for outfielders in Eloy Jimenez and Birmingham and, of course, the glut of outfielders they have in Winston-Salem and Kannapolis, uh, all those guys are performing. So hopefully we see them get promoted uh, in the next couple of months. Or eventually one of them get dealt. 
uh, you know, for a more established guy. I mean, that, I, I, that's not against the the, the uh, you know possibility I, either. I thought, other than Jimenez, uh, that there were a couple of those uh, prospects were center field potential, and you just said no, right? Well, Luis Robert, I think, is yeah. who the White Sox are hoping to okay. be this everyday center fielder. Uh, he is progressing nicely. The cast is off right. from his broken thumb. Uh, he should be playing soon. Uh, Luis Wasabe has been playing right. very well. Right. Your, your player of the month for the Carolina League. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Rodolfo has been DHing, but he has a rocket of an arm. I do think and it sounds like he will need Tommy John surgery, so it's a mm-hmm. matter of time. Uh, before the White Sox uh, decide to pull that trigger, uh, it doesn't hurt when he swings. It only hurts when he throws. Oh, yeah. uh, and then you also and you also have Blake Rutherford. So, That's the, so the White Sox yeah, have Rutherford. Yeah, okay. uh, Rutherford's a left fielder. He doesn't right, have the right, arm strength to play. Right. I was misled uh, by early reports. Thank you. Where's Cordell playing? I mean, because it, uh, I had heard that <laughs> if Cordell if Cordell hadn't been hurt, he probably would have been the guy called up from the minor leagues. Yeah, probably he would have, but breaking his collarbone obviously is uh, is a, a big thing. factor in that. But but Cordell wasn't starting the year well, Fred. He was five for thirty eight. I okay. mean, his batting average was one thirty two. He struck out seventeen times to one walk. Uh, it's just every everyone in Charlotte. If any of these guys, Charlie Tilson, Jacob May, Ryan Cordell, if he was healthy, shoot even Casey Gillespie. If any of these guys were hitting. They would have been promoted instead of the White Sox trading cash to get Trace Thompson for Oakland, but they're not performing. So it did force Rick Hahn uh, to make a move that I don't think he was expecting to make. Uh, and here are the White Sox with Trace Thompson on the roster. Josh, where are you in the whole Michael Kopech thing? Because there are a bunch, I don't know, I guess it's media people. As I look at the back page of the Sun-Times, heat warning, uh, and there's Michael Kopech on a day that the Sox and Cubs both played on the back page of the Sun-Times. Uh, are you in the in the group that says, you know, he should come up soon or no, make him have him wait a while, kind of like what they did with Ronaldo Lopez last year? I think he's ready. I mean, just looking at his performances, he's made five starts in AAA, 27 innings, so he's going deepish into these starts. He has 35 strikeouts to nine walks. He hasn't allowed a home run in AAA. He seems confident with the changeup. And with the way that the White Sox are using their starting rotation right now, which I think today is the Chris Volstead-Hector-Santiago combination that they're going to be running out, uh, the White Sox do have a need at, at starting pitcher. And you know, with Matt Harvey being DFA'd, I got a lot of questions last night about should the White Sox mm. go that route. Wow. I do not I do not think no. so. I do not think that they need the headache right now. Coop has enough on his plate to try to help with the progression of Fulmer, Giolito, and Lopez, and then asking him, oh, hey, can you take Matt Harvey and turn him into something? I, I think that's just too late. Maybe if it was spring training, sure, but it's May. You know, you're already in the swing of the season. But with Kopech, I think the latest, Fred, that we'll see Kopech called up uh, is early June. On June 5th, the White Sox do have a doubleheader in Minneapolis so they can expand the roster to 26 guys. Mm-hmm. I think that could be a good fit for Kopech to get, give him a start. I mean, if you want to play it slow, fine, but give Kopech that start, give him a taste of the major leagues, and then send him back down, but be prepared to call him up in the next couple of weeks. Because uh, Car- Carlos Rodon will be making his rehab starts through the minors, he cannot be called up until after May 28th. Uh, but as far as just his performance and talent and what he has done, he's, I think he's done everything the White Sox have asked. I think Kopech is ready. I okay. think don't bother wasting any more bullets down in AAA. Uh, mm-hmm. Call him up to Chicago and see what he has.
Hey, Josh, let's go to 35th Street now with the big club in a minute. First, let's bring in EO11. Uh, Eric, uh, the question, our Twitter poll, Rick Hahn, A or B, regrets not trading Avi last uh, trading uh, offseason or happy he didn't. Let's do this. Uh, Josh Nelson, Sox Machine, Murph and Fred, let's each try to guess first or how we would vote. I'm going to say this is uh, around a 50-50. Me? And I, this is not a uh, you know second guess. He's hurting that. They should have. I advocated it in the uh, winter time. I think it's going to be uh, maybe uh, 60% regrets not doing it. The fans are guessing. Uh, Josh, what do you think the vote is, or how, how do you want to vote? Either way. Well, I think what the fans would vote would be 60% regret just because he's hurt right now, mm. uh, and he wasn't hitting very well beforehand. On how I would vote, I, I don't think Khan regrets not trading Avi. I think it would have been very beneficial to see if Avi could repeat what he did last year. And if he could, then you could either trade him in July uh, if he was still performing well and he wasn't hurt, or you could trade him in the offseason. Mm-hmm. I think the White Sox had time to trade Avi. So I don't think Rick Hahn regrets not at all moving Avi. Okay. But the way that the offseason played out, would anybody been interested in Avi? It just seemed to be so slow that yeah. I don't think any team would have traded for him. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. There's, there's a lot of guys still sitting out there waiting. Eric, what the fans say, please? Seventy-one percent of the fans say that he does regret not trading okay. Avi. Wow. Yeah, well, I, uh, but I think you, Josh, you brought up a good point. I mean, I think the fans are saying that now because he's hurt. Well, the injury right. makes it a tough question to it, pose. It's yeah. not second-guessing intended, but it was. Uh, let me jump in uh, with you two guys uh, back at 35th Street. Let me let me ask you about uh, uh, flippers. Who are the Sox flippers this year come uh, the last week or two of July that, you know, hopefully would have some value uh, for flip purposes? I have a short list of two or three here. Uh, Fred and Josh, what do you guys uh, think could, you know, bring something in? Go ahead. You, you first, Josh. The only one that I can think of is Nate Jones. Yes. Uh, Nate Jones in his 12 appearances in 12 innings has 14 strikeouts. So he's striking out more than one batter uh, per inning. And uh, it just his arm, uh, you know, this is a guy who could throw 97, 98 miles per hour. He's got a great slider. He could help a contender in the seventh and eighth innings in high leverage situations. I do think that Nate Jones is one that gets traded in July just because I think a team is going to make an offer that Rick Hahn cannot refuse. On top of that, Nate Jones has also been hurt. So this may be a good opportunity for the White Sox uh, to move Nate Jones and not have to worry about a future injury, and that would be a contending team's issue that yeah. they'll have to deal with in the next couple of years. All right. I think they were hoping that Avilan or uh, Soria are guys, but uh, yeah. the way the way that both yeah. of them are pitching, I don't think there's a chance that uh, anybody out there might want these guys. Let me ask you this. Now, don't laugh. Please. Now, James Shields, the Sox are paying half of the dough, and was it Oakland they got wherever he came from? San Diego. San Diego. Yeah, yeah. Thing. they're paying. Don't the you other... remember Fernando Tatis Jr.? <laughs> That's right. They're yeah. paying the other. Oh yeah, sorry, I brought it up. <laughs> they're paying the other fifty percent. Could the Sox? You know, if this guy is a five hundred starting pitcher, a fifth guy for a team that is short and they think they're in contention, the, if the new team ate also. Then 50% of the Sox, 50%. See what I'm saying? So the Sox yep. would unload half of the dough, but then you're carving it up even more as San Diego unloaded half, and the Sox would be down to just paying 25%. I mean, that'd be sweet, wouldn't it, if he had a nice little run in July? 
Yes, I do agree with you. One team to watch for is the San Francisco Giants. They have invested too much in this into this season, especially the moves they made in the offseason, to not be competitive for the postseason. And watch with Johnny Cueto's news. He is now going to see Dr. James Andrews. That is never a good sign for a starting pitcher. If Cueto is out for the year and he because he's going to need Tommy John surgery, I think the Giants cannot wait around. Mm, okay. They will need to add somebody into the starting rotation. Uh, and if the White Sox were willing to eat as much of that remaining salary with Shields, and if the Giants see a fit because they have a big ballpark and maybe Shields doesn't give up as many home runs in yeah. San Francisco as he would in Chicago, that could be a possibility. But I think the team that makes the first move, Murphy, mm. would be the San Francisco Giants. Sweet. Just because I they, they can't sit around. They cannot yeah, sit around. That'd be nice. Josh Nelson joining us from Sox Machine, the SoxMachine.com, and also you can get the uh, Sox Machine podcast. Um, uh, Manny Machado. Uh, I know that uh, about two years ago, no, or not, no laughing. I heard no. you chuckle, Josh. About, yeah, Come about, on. about two years ago, uh, a lot of the baseball America, you know, they would project they have projected the lineups for each team for the next five years, and a lot of them had Manny Machado coming to the White Sox when his deal was over. Well, now everybody seems they're going to be wanting Manny Machado or Bryce Harper. Do you think? I mean, the White Sox have money. Do you think they're going to be able to spend or even contend for a guy like Manny Machado when the year's over? If if Jerry Reinsdorf wants to spend the cash, sure. I think it will be, you know, whoever wants to spend the top dollar. But I think what will be a hard sell for the White Sox Mm -hmm. is if, like, the New York Yankees uh, try to convince Manny Machado to go back to third base because they're really good at shortstop with Didi Gregorius. Uh, It just depends on what... Manny Machado wants. I think with Bryce Harper, because he's such a competitive guy, he's going to sign with the team for top dollar and will be a contender to win the World Series in 2019. That will not be the White Sox. I don't know what to make as far as Manny Machado's market free agency. I think what's more interesting, why I was chuckling, was Mm -hmm. who is Manny Machado going to play for in July? Yeah, I know. Baltimore is horrible. I'm I'm interested to see uh, which team pulls the trigger and acquires Manny Machado, and I know a lot of Cubs fans that listen to this station, uh, it might be St. Louis. And that would make things certainly interesting in the National League Central <laughs> wow. uh, if the Cardinals were to get somebody like Manny Machado. And you raise a great point as we let you go, uh, Josh, in that next offseason free agent time for Manny, you got to have a team that, A, has the dough, B, wants to yep. spend the dough, but C, has that slotted shortstop available. A lot of teams are locked in at short. Uh, and like you mentioned, the Yankees and the Dodgers. And he said, I want to play short. Oh, you got Tim Anderson. Uh, no, we don't. no, you don't. He played another ball off to the side the other yesterday. He's making, <laughs> I mean, it, it, uh, nah, anytime you want to move Tim Anderson, that's fine with me. What do you do with him on the way out the door here? Uh, what do you do with Tim Tim Anderson, Josh? Well, if I were the owner of the White Sox and I had just signed Manny Machado, I would tell Tim Anderson to learn how to play center field. That's what a lot of people say, because he's got the speed, obviously. Uh, If he can just keep his head in the game when he's out there, um, he wouldn't have to worry about playing the ball to the side like he does all the time on ground balls to him now. Hey, good stuff. Hey, Josh, what's going on at Sox Machine? Quick, go. 
Yeah, uh, we are covering as far as the Major League Baseball draft. We're one month away. My latest mock draft, and who I think the White Sox will take with the number four pick, is up at SoxMachine.com. And on Monday on our show, we'll have Jim Callis from MLB.com to talk more about the upcoming draft. Cool. Thanks. Very, Sounds very good. cool, yeah. yeah. He's the best, Callis. Thanks a lot. Hey, Josh, uh, don't be a stranger. We'll visit with you later in the season. Thanks for your time. Absolutely. Thank you, Murph. Thank you, Fred. All Thanks, right, Josh. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's so I told much you, great he's stuff. Good. I told yeah, you, he's and you know, good. and there's a lot of great stuff too. And you, you just go there, and they break down all of the minor leaguers from last night. It's got White Sox minor keys, and you just go to it, and all of a sudden he tells you what everybody did. I'm looking here right now. Yeah. Gavin Sheets one for four with a double, a walk and a strikeout for Winston Salem in a ten. Basabi one for three with a double. Blake Rutherford two for five, but he didn't. He, you know, he did you did. did you throw out the stat that the Winston Salem Dash? That's their name. Have four of the top six uh, in batting average in the Carolina League. Yeah, I did not. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know why they're called a dash, right? Because of the dash in their name. Winston Dash Salem. Yeah, that's kind of weird. <laughs> Unless you know what it means. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That... There's a lot of things I don't understand. Did you know? Remember Bear Aspirin? Yes. You know it's not Bear Aspirin anymore? I did not know that. Buyer. This is like the whole thing where I got a call. Jose Quintana, Jose Quintana, Quintana, or whatever my buddy Pat Hughes says. Now it's buyer, like, are you the buyer of the new car? Yes, I'm the buyer. Buyer aspirin. Well, it's funny because it, it, that'd be easy for me to remember because one of my favorite soccer teams is Bayern Munich, or actually Bayern München, if mm-hmm. you're going to say it the German way. So, uh, so uh, yeah, it's. Um, I, if, if you didn't know any better, you'd have right. always thought it was buyer. I heard something yesterday. I was so surprised. The guys, well, it was great. A lot of our station, the on-air guys, uh, uh, I guess some of the uh, listeners won a trip down to the Kentucky Derby, right? Yeah, just two of the on-air guys, Waddle and Sylvie. They, if you find they got the lovely pictures with them. They're already at the Derby yeah. uh, at Churchill Downs. The race doesn't go off till 540, so they'll be, they'll be well-loaded by then I, with Abdallah and well, Miller and well, all of the I, listeners with them. Were they joking when they said there was no bathroom on the bus? I uh, know. Oh, not that I know of. Oh, they they were joking. No, right. there was no bathroom and no AC and no on AC. the bus. Yeah, that mm. is factual. All right, that's what I hear. So maybe that's why when I was invited, I turned it down. I, huh? <laughs> you so, were invited. Eric and I are just upset now. Here's what surprised me, because uh, for ten years I spent four years in uh, Carbondale down uh-huh. at SIU. <laughs> And, uh, you know, grease the skids, cleared the way for guys like Sylvia to come down and get their radio uh, sure. background. You know, and I was down there tolling away at WIDB, interdormitory broadcasting. We weren't even open air. You had to plug your radio. What was that? A radio. Yeah, you got to, bought this thing for 19 but You plugged it in, and our signal went through the current of the campus. Sure. So we were uh, not even open air, which was good because we had no FCC regulation. Yeah, so you could swear. <laughs> well, you well we didn't actually swear, but. You could, though. Well, but then the, there was one guy with the administration that was listening. Yeah, because they already get rid of you. they already had WSIU, your campus station, for fifty years, and all they played was like opera music. Oh. But we were like crazy. But we used to drive every year from Carbondale to Louisville, right, for the okay. Kentucky Derby. Uh huh. Every year we'd drive down there. We'd get there. We had you know. Five ten bucks in our pocket. You'd get to, you'd park somewhere. You'd walk over. You you go down. Un, there was a tunnel from outside. You'd so go underneath the track. You go under yeah. the track. You would belch you back up. You belch you back up, and you're in the infield. And there's like you know twenty thousand 
people, and and everyone's drunker than the other skunk next to him. Closer right? to sixty thousand, I think. And the inf- yeah. it was unbelievable. Yeah. And, they uh, expect 160,000 people there today. One year, I never saw the horse, any horse. Right. Because you can't even get to the, to the rail. Sure. Or, you know, with the, so, I mean, it was standard operating procedure. To, and then Sylvie says yesterday, I've never been here before. I'm going to spend four years in, in southern Illinois. It's a short little hop. It is. Very surprised. Yeah. I've never uh, been there either. Yeah, but and I'm a big racer. But you guy. didn't spend a decade no. uh, in a no. four-year period in Carbondale. No, I'm thinking about going down there for the Breeders' Cup in November. Mm-hmm. That'd be fun. Yeah. How about this note? Did you see this buried the other day? Todd Frazier. We should have played. I, you know what? I wasn't a Sox. I wasn't yeah. a Sox backer, so I really my. I always thought he could have been better than he was, didn't you? With the so- I mean, well, he had forty homers, no, oh, but he hit two ten. No, I, no, I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm not damning. Could have been much better. Him. Yeah, I'm not meaning to damn him with faint praise, as Jiggs would say. You know, but I always thought it seems like he's notched it up a notch mm-hmm. with with the uh, Mets. But anyway, listen, now listen to this. And he was, I don't want to say he was wacky, but he was sort of a free spirit, right? Yep. You know, off the field. And I, did you see this, Todd Frazier? is asking for a meeting with Commissioner Rob Manfred over his frustration with the way umpires are calling balls and strikes. Well, somebody should. Well, of course. But have you ever heard of this? The player said, I want to talk to the commissioner. I don't like the way the umps are calling the pick. I, I do commend him for this. Yeah, I do too. It, it was a it's, good, it's, well, a, like, it's crazy the way they're being called. It, now, it's beyond... It's beyond disgusting watching a baseball game right. when a ball, a ball is thrown over the plate on the yeah. first pitch of an at-bat. It's down the middle of the plate, and the umpire calls it a ball. It happened last night in the Cub game. Oh, it, the it White killed. Sox game. Happens in every single game, and it's right. disgusting. Killed the Cubs rally with Zobrist with a backwards K. It should have been 3-2. Yeah. Uh, he was the uh, tying run at the plate. And, and if I hear one more person, David Kaplan, if I hear one more person say... That it's human error. Human error is for the players, not for the arbiters of the game. Okay? Human error is only for the players. You're not supposed to be busting your tail and have a guy that's an official make mistakes. If they can be corrected, they should be corrected. Every single ball and strike should be called by a computer. Was that a capathetic? <laughs> huh. Cap, 9 o'clock every morning, Monday through Friday. Got to catch up on He's got an things. appearance today. He's got an appearance today out at uh, Twin... Twin Peaks and Wheeling, I think it is. So get on out there, say hi to Cap, and tell him I was calling him out. When we return, I have a great soundbite from Jesse earlier in the week. We'll get back on the Cubs beat. He's saying, why is Joe Matt? Now, Jesse ought to know. He used to help Joe make the lineups. I remember did. For a Who You Crappin' book, or what was it called? Uh, Try Not to Suck. Try Not to Suck book. Yeah. Mixing my old things there. Try Not to Suck. We'll have Jesse when we return. Another trip through the it's yellow It's not pad. working right now. Back in a flash. Hey, vote right now. Your last chance to vote at ESPN 1000. bit later, maybe. Well, perfect you... day for tequila on Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Cinco de Mayo, perfect day. Gorgeous day. I'm heading out to Toyota Park tonight with my good buddy Mike Wiggins. We're nice. going to sit and watch the uh, Chicago Fire hopefully get a win in three points against Atlanta United FC. It should be fun. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Thanks, Fred, for reminding me. So that everybody. means i got to have a, uh, a beer tonight, I guess. Dos Equis? Yes. Whatever, oh. they, whatever they have, but hopefully it's a Dos Equis or something. 
I'm a big Modelo fan. When it comes to Mexican beers, that's my choice is Modelo. I had, I had one of those last week. It was awesome. I hadn't had that before. And then I like Tecate. I'm not a guy where that, that I put the uh, the lime in the beer, even with the Corona back in the day. Lime in the coconut? Yeah, I, I don't do that. I don't know. Anybody I do I do put it in German beer, though. Okay. If you give me a Hefeweizen, there's going to be a, lime, a lemon in there. And I don't care what you think about me. Do we have anybody here... Uh... Habla Espanol, guys? No. A little bit? Un poquito. Okay, un poquito. No just a little. Okay. Here's the thing. Dos Eques. Now, how would you translate Dos Eques? I'm, I don't know. Into English. It's two X. Two X's. Right. But, oh, now, wait. That's now that's what I'm leading up to. How do you translate Dos Eques? Okay. Two X. Not X's. It's double X. It's not, du- it's not duble excess. Right, but that's not how they speak, though. They don't say, like, enyes. They just say enyes, which would be N. Like, they don't have oh, no, I'm not, not talking about, like, the enye, the tilde. I'm just, in general, any of the letters. They don't have a firm to say L's or B's. They don't have plural? They just say B. They don't or have, A. So two X's, they just say one X? Dos. They'll say dos. Dos X's. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Seems like it should be dos X's. Or something. I don't like know. Let's have a give me a tequila and shut up, Murphy. <laughs> and that was another Murph <laughs> moment. That'd be a Murph momento. And I get aggravated when people talk about the Bears playing and Miguel. winning winning Dos Equis. Super Bowl Dos Equis. Memento. All right. Uh, so here's here's Jesse. Now see, I'm not the guy. I don't know. I'm not the guy that signed Jason Hayward, and I'm not here to talk of and. And uh, berate Jason Hayward. He is what he is. He's not trying to fail. He runs every ball out. They say he you know, hard, works hard, BP. I mean, you know, he's just not good. He's one of his last 21. He's hitting 218. And every day he's in the lineup along with the National League pitcher, you're playing with seven men, seven hitters. If he gets a hit, it's like, you know, cherry on the top of the Sunday. Just uh-huh. bonus. He drove one. He was out, but he, I mean, he drove one a good yeah, out to deep left field late in the game. Really nice been, catch by Ozuna. Yeah, in left field. Yeah, he was a center fielder, I think, at uh, Miami. I mean, he can field. Yeah. But regardless, I mean, he did drill the ball well. Point is, he's one out of his last 21. That's he, not good. <laughs> that's, that's no good. <laughs> yeah. Now, if you're going to keep playing him, let me rephrase that. How can you bench him? Well, very real easy. You don't put his name it, on the lineup Yeah, it'd be, it'd be easy to me. But as long as he's in there but every day. When you bench him, he can't get another hit. <laughs> so you're, you're kind of This stuck. is what they used to say. They're in a pickle. Yeah. If he's not going to hit, but he's got to play, then you're playing with seven guys in a nine-man batting order. Right. And now he's in center field today for whatever reason. You know, I... I, I Tried to project why it might have been that he's given Elmore a, a bench day for not having his head in the game, not knowing how many outs. But as long as you got Hayward and uh, you got no one, the only peer, see, the only other person that can play right field defense for the Cubs is Elmore. And I don't think Elmore has ever played right field. I know you keep saying this, and, well, and I understand whatever. what you're saying. You're saying that he that defensively he's the only guy that would be uh, not an upgrade necessarily from Hayward, but, but the a, only guy doesn't hurt you, right? That doesn't hurt you, right? But they're they're going to play Hap or or um, Zobris there. Well, Zobris, I don't think they'll. I think anytime Elmore is in the lineup, he's going to be in the. The only time I've ever seen Elmore not play center is sometimes he's played left. 
Okay, so when they had when they had Leonis Martin right. last everything year, everything you say is correct. Point is, if you don't start Hayward for a week, all right, who's going to play right field? Mm-hmm. Zobras, God love him, he can't cover any ground anymore, and his arm was a second baseman's arm right. back ten years ago. And Schwarber, you know, God love him, if he gets to it. He really botches it and box, boxes it right. anymore. You know, he doesn't have the foot. He, you know, he's, he's, he's a left fielder. He's your Gary Matthews. I mean, a million guys in history of baseball. He's your Adam Dunn, Dave Kingman. He's yeah. A, yeah. I'll go back to Moose Marn. Come on, Moosey, catch it. I mean, that's where you put the lead-footed thumper. Yeah. So here's Jesse the other day. He's saying, I don't know why Joe did what he did. Uh, Joe's got Hayward playing, but he doesn't have Schwarber playing. He got a choice. Schwarber or Hayward. If you're going to add one more lefty to the lineup, which one do you want? Which one do you want? So on a team that doesn't walk, that isn't hitting home runs, why is Kyle Schwarber on the bench? People want to tweet me about that. That's a legitimate argument. Because, again, he, he either is that guy you drafted at four and did that stuff in the World Series, or he's the first-half Schwarber who's a platoon player. But let's find out once and for all. But most, mostly, guys, it's because he walks. He walks. And by the way, he had a great spring against lefties. Not that that means everything, but Joe batted him against lefties a lot, and then now he won't do it. But he walks. That's the key. They need guys to get on base and get that offense going like it was in mid-April. That's Jesse. I'm not mad at, at Hayward. Hayward didn't put a gun to someone's head and say, sign me for right. 12 years at $200 billion. Uh-huh. That wasn't Hayward. I'm not mad at Darvish. What'd you think you were going to get? Yeah. Do you only look at numbers? You don't talk to any scouts? You don't talk to any people from the Dodgers? You don't talk to anybody from the Rangers? I mean, it's common knowledge. You know, he's going to give you what he's going to give you. You know, it was a little frustrating to me this week, and I'm, I know you saw it. The articles about Jake Arrieta. And Jake Arrieta said that he had zero discussions with the Cubs. They wanted Darvish. They had, right. They was, had I mean, done zero deal. discussions right. until the night before they signed Darvish. Then Theo called him and said, uh, six years, 120, take it or leave it. That's it. We're not going to negotiate. That's it. Then the next day, they signed Darvish for six years, 126. Well, you know, business is ugly. Making the sausage, you know, just give, yeah. just give me the bratwurst, all that. You know, I don't want to see But for it. some reason, you would have thought yeah, that they, would have made, they might have touched base at least once before that. Well, they don't care. Uh, apparently, they don't. It's yeah. a business. And once you're out of contract, it uh, mm-hmm. doesn't matter what's happening. Uh, there, you know, you, you did your job. You're a, pay, you're a mercenary. You played for the team, and you're gone. I'll give you another one. Oh, what's our Twitter poll for this half hour? Uh, MLB steroid home run era. Remember that? Does everyone remember the MLB steroid home run era? A or B? Saved baseball? It did not save baseball. I keep hearing it. Oh, I don't know. A lot of because of Cap's a great interview with Sosa. You know. oh, the home runs in the steroid era it saved baseball. Everyone says that. Yeah, I don't do. know. Is that true or not? I don't know. But it's sometimes. You hear something so often you repeat it or parrot it yourself thinking it's true. I want to find out. We've had that up all day. EO11, come in here. Please. Not come in here. Come on with it. Please. <laughs> what uh, What do fans say? The steroid home run era. And, you know, we're talking Bonds and we're talking McGuire and Sosa and Palmero and the list goes on and on. Uh, it's They saved the game. They saved baseball. Like, you know, right now, there'd be no baseball anymore if it hadn't been for the steroid era. 
Uh, remember when we had baseball and then they didn't hit enough homers and then everybody stopped and baseball died back in 10 years ago? It's so sad. If only had the steroids, we'd still have baseball. I sound like George Carlin. Baseball. You're trying. Football <laughs> is like a war. Baseball is out in the park. Okay, I'm sorry. What was the results? 75% of the voters voted that it did save baseball. Wait, did you just say yeah, you did. what I thought you said? 75% of the voters voted okay. that it saved baseball. How would you vote, Eric? I don't. I think saved, I would say no just for the reason saved, but brought it back into mainstream sports. You know what I mean? It was dying, and I think it boosted it. I wouldn't say it saved it. It was going to be around always. Yeah. I just think it boosted. I was a child, like at 98, I was 11 years old, so I was playing baseball, and I made sure I tuned in at night. To see what those guys were doing every single night. Wait, you were 11? Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> yeah. But you, excuse me, you, that was a good twist, though. You said, you said it didn't save baseball. What did you say? It, made- it helped put the spotlight back on baseball, bring it back mainstream. All right. Yeah, I think so. Well, that and, and people keep forgetting about Cal Ripken. Because Cal Ripken did it too. That was an event. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than the time, you know, Greeny hosted a three-hour show and said for three hours that Cal Ripken isn't a big deal. It's going playing every day. All he did was go to work, just like everybody else does. Hey, how come we don't get Greeny? Everybody gets Greeny. We probably could. Greeny's got nothing to do on a weekend. I'll be honest. Most of the time we get Greeny, it's Greeny calling and saying, hey, I want to talk to Waddle and Sylvie today about this. Or, hey, can I talk to Cap about this? That's what's happened twice this week. Do you know Greeny's first job where he got paid was my update guy? Really? Okay. Yeah, behind me. Greeny. I used to have a thing. Remember uh, from uh, Sesame Street? There was something called, it ain't easy being green. There was something. Yeah. So I had it done, it ain't easy being greeny. I mean, it was funny because greeny was like a pup out of water. He didn't know what he was doing. He's learning on the job. I said, this guy's good. The updates, instead of uh, three minutes, top and bottom of the hour, I'm doing the old evening show. I said, greeny, no. I said, well, you're not leaving. Stay here for 15 minutes. You're better than just me flapping my gums. Well, of course, anything would have been probably, you know, put a garbage can on the air. I understand that. And then, you know, and then, Fred, you're yep. a great update guy. Yep. And, uh, you know, that's a great phrase. It's not demeaning. That's, 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 that's when Greeny went to uh, CLTV. And, and then, you know, he, he, did? he started fixing his hair and getting on TV. Yeah. So. Remember, and Greeny doesn't mind. Remember? Who walked in on him at the bathroom over on Belmont Avenue, and he was combing his hair? I don't know and that. Heard it. Oh, yeah, and he was yeah. saying, man, you're a good-looking guy. He Doing still himself. says that. Yeah, yeah. He still says we that. We love Greeny. The green man, he called Can him. Can you contact Greeny? Yeah, Greeny's a really good guy. I'll reach out As, to him this anytime week and see. This, anytime this summer with Murph yeah, and Fred, absolutely. he goes, oh, no, I don't want to remember those days. No. Uh, hey, we'll be right back. Mike Murphy, Fred Humner, back in a flash. Final couple items. Stick around, Miss Little, Miss a lot, ESPN 1000. On the home stretch, no, 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 not the Kentucky Derby. Let the record show we did not give any uh, tips today. Sorry if you were waiting for us to tell you who to win the Derby. You're listening to the wrong show. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt. No, and, uh, sorry. Real quickly, I, yeah. and, I, and I don't want to bring the bring the show down to a screeching halt. But wow. I just want to say uh, thoughts and prayers out to one of the best guys in the sports radio business, Andy Garcia, who lost his wife last night mm. because of cancer. 
terrible. Yeah. He was my producer years ago at uh, the Belmont Avenue. Yep. Good kid. Great guy. I'm so sorry. Uh, tell you what, on the home stretch, let me dip into the uh, yellow pad here. All right. Rapid fire, Fred. Sammy Sosa. 83%. I think it was uh, a cap poll of one of the shows this week. Cap did a great job getting Sammy yep. on a, a, a private one-on-one. The fans, 83% voted. I want Sammy back at the ballpark, at the conventions and all that. 83%. That's fine. Whatever. Take it. You know, whatever you want. Here's the thing. The owner doesn't want him. Yeah, that's what all it right? is. So, unless the owner is swayed by your 83%, He's not coming back. Either A, Sammy did something that irritated the owner, teed him off, as we used to say, or B, two of the uh, top Cubs ambassadors, Sandberg and Wood, one of them or both of them, whatever, said to uh, the owner, I don't want him around. It's him or me. He comes back, I'm gone. I don't want to see him. That might be what happens. All right, 83% want him back. It ain't going to happen. Uh, number two, Strope's cap. Now, here's what, okay. I'm not going to say anything about it. Fine. I, I'm starting to, starting to enjoy it. Uh, but here's what's weird, Fred. Yeah, I'm not. Okay, but here's what's yeah. weird. It keeps moving farther off to the, to the sure it does. cockeyed. Pretty soon it'll be backwards. Well, that's what I was going yeah. for, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Every year it's more cockeyed to the left. Or is it to the right? Doesn't matter. It's to the left. Every year, it's a little more. Yeah. Now, if he goes all the way sideways, 90 degrees, so it's point, like keeping the sun out of his ear, the visor. Yeah. Would the league say you can't wear the cap all the way off over the ear sideways? If they had stones, they would, but they won't. What if he goes all the way, yeah. does the old 180, and actually wears it backwards like the old catcher's cap? It's a good question. Would I stop him? Yeah, I don't know. I then where's the line of demarcation? Yeah. In other words, how far? Because every year, it you hate to you hate, you hate to take away the expression of the ball players, but then again, fifty percent of their their shoes have to be colors of the team. Yellow pad. I heard that so yesterday. So stupid. Yellow pad. Well, you don't want it like a. a no, no, no. I mean, the, the oh, sideways are stupid. I don't care about the shoes. Well, what if they're, what if the Cubs come out? Well, one guy's got green, one guy's got yellow. Uh, don't you want at least the team colors? That should, yeah. That, that no. I mean, that's right. yeah. It makes sense. Okay. Anytime you talk about cockeyed hats, the Cubs have a next under a yellow. Because I'm old. That's what, I, that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm trying to envision how far up your can it is right oh, now. For years, I was so mad at Ken Griffey Jr. of the home run derby wearing it backwards. Next. So the Cubs are the ball boys, is what I guess you'd call them. Uh, down, down where the left field bullpen used to be. They're looking for a new one. So there's a shot double yep. down the left field line, and it's just fair, and it's sort of got that spin, you know, the banana spin, and it's coming to him. He's got no glove. He tries to flag it down with his meat hand. It's a fair ball. Yep. Now it's over by him. Foul territory. Fair ball. He puts his meat hand out. Ricochets off that dead ball into left field. Number one, what's his job? If it's to collect balls, shouldn't he have a glove? And do you, evidently he's like grew up playing soccer and doesn't know a fair ball from a foul ball. What are they thinking? Are they not? That was bad. Well, and also he has less room 
uh, in that corner because they put new seats in. And now there's not as much room between fair and foul territory. What do we next? What do we care about? The unwritten rules. Oh, you know, I hate those unwritten rules. The players throw at the other team when, uh, you know, your guy gets hit. No, no, don't throw it back at them. The unwritten rules, I hate them. Well, here's the thing. You ain't playing the game, Charlie. They're nothing more. Oh, oh, the unwritten rules are stupid. Yeah, you're on the radio. You're calling in. Yeah. You're you're whatever you're doing. You're twitting and kicking. You're tight. You're, if you're a player... They then maybe, then speak yeah. up. I don't like the unwritten rules. Yeah. What's going on? You're not playing. You're watching. They drill your guy, and in the locker room, get him back. Yeah, because we don't, you drill him back. Oh, no, no, no. It's an unwritten rule. Go play the game, and well, then you make the decision. I don't know. Did you notice that when the Rockies came in, the very first pitch Lester threw was inside and hit the guy? Yeah. And, I mean, it barely grazed right. him. But it hit him. Brushed him back. Yeah, and he, he was brushing him back to give him a sign. That was, and, and then he walked the next guy. Should have low he bridged him. him. He got himself in trouble in the very first inning. Should have low bridged him. By hitting the guy. No one talked about, oh, the Cubs and John Lester, the unwritten rule, you got to throw at a guy because he hit our guy. What a thank all our guest, Arthur Arcus, ProFootballWeekly.com. Jesse, the little guy's in St. Louis running around. He's got white patent leather uh, shoes on like everybody down there. Josh Nelson, great job at Sox Machine. Yeah, thanks to Eric Ostrowski for all of his help. He'll be with me tomorrow, though, at Chris Black tomorrow morning. They got best of 1,000 at 8, and then I'll be out with Black from 9 until noon. Breaking down the Kentucky Derby. Beautiful oh, and day. much more. Beautiful day. Enjoy yourself. Win some money. Murph and Fred saying thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. And see you later, everybody.